My God. The big men are back. Another month, another grim grappler. And I'm fired up, fellas. Some hardcore country ahead. Mickey James, our subject this evening. Much to get into. 17 years of work across our six matches. Um, the big one, the handwork match without any handwork. So much, so many layers to delve into. Lots to get into. Expert panel, as always, the great Bobby Two Shoes. How you doing, that, Bob? I'm doing well, man. You know, uh, five hours on Friday wasn't enough. We're back for another show. We've got two shows this week. Uh, Grin is back, man. Did you not get the memo about that show on Friday, brother? That's that show's never to be referenced again. We we, we did, the post show yeah. just stayed on the air for some reason. We just we were talking many at one point. Just guys, are we on? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a hell of a time. Um, and you know, some good times ahead. But this is a this is a big one. I, I like this as an addition to our catalog. So I'm sorry to get into it. The Oracle of Wrestling. Of course, you was on that aforementioned infamous Friday program, but you. Mm. Uh, Back on the grappler, right? You missed the last one, so you're back. And uh, how are you feeling, man? Got a, I've got a new laptop that I got uh, for a great deal. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm here. Here for the long haul again. Uh, you know, I'll be fashionable, be late uh, on Thursday. But, you know, that's 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 not unusual for me. Uh, but I'm here on time. This is the first time I think I showed up right at, like, 8 o'clock on the dot. And, like, you know, I don't know. Six months. Still getting better, brother. Still sharpening <laughs> your tools, you know. <laughs> uh, but when you got that laptop, you use the discount code LNG, right? You, because that's it's universal. Yeah. Yes. Tremendous. I love like to said hear that. It. You froze. I think everybody else did, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. All right, there you go. Um, I love to hear it. The contrarian has got. He's got. Speaking of improving. We have, we have some new weaponry at our disposal here on the Contrarians, and how are you feeling tonight, Chief? Yeah, man, trying to break in this new ring light I got for uh, this and um, <clears throat> my other podcasting exploits. I just it looked too plain. I need some good light, so y'all let me know how it goes. Makes my beard fucking glow, so that makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing all right. As uh, I mentioned on um, the never-to-be-spoken-of-again SummerSlam 2013 commentary track, yeah been recovering from covid last week and i got it got worse again after that so like i'm back to i'm fine today's like one the first day in a while i felt good so um yeah don't take it lightly folks it ain't fun i'm excited to be here man it's um just literally right before i hopped on finished the last match on our uh list because impact plus is um fairly uh, difficult program to navigate or a site to navigate i should say it took me a while to find what we were watching but once i did i was happy to put an end to it and yeah i'm um i'm glad we made the choice that we did because i know oracle you weren't on but it was basically myself bob and joe that walter was one of the choices and it seemed like that was obvious and we kind of talked ourselves out of it to save that for another day and this is what we landed on and after the matches we've watched and the discussion i think that's going to be had i think we made a really good choice I agree. I, I think, you know, there are some wrestlers we cover and they are so, and I don't mean this to understate how big a deal Mickey is because she is a big deal to this day, but there are some wrestlers who are so substantial in stature. It's almost hard to do a show like this and like capture that correctly with six matches. Mm. Mickey, I think is the opposite where I think we all left this process. If we're talking for you guys going, 
yeah, she's every bit as good as we hoped and thought she was in our kind of memory and such, right? Like, I thought she, these six matches were very flattering for who she's been as a wrestler for now, you know, 20 years or whatever it's been. So uh, it's a hell of a ride. We'll start, as we always do, by kind of mapping out our own personal fandoms and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there and go through the matches. Um, Bobby, I'll start with you. I'm intrigued. Mickey James, fan, not a fan, when, when, you know, go through the kind of details on that, mate. Yeah, I've always been a fan. Um, I was watching, you know, weekly when she showed up. That was, what, 2005, the end of 2005. You know, she showed up and was the Trish Stalker thing, which I thought was really well done, you know, from start to finish. Um, we'll talk about it a little more as the match goes on. And, yeah, she kind of signified, like, a bit of a turning point in the women's division. You know, Trish and Lita went out, and, like, Mickey and Beth kind of came in at the same time. So it was kind of like a changing of the guard, so to speak. And uh, she she was different from kind of most of the other divas in that she could actually wrestle and they'd give her time to actually like do stuff and uh, really stood out. And this made her stand out even more going through these matches. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time to look back on. And, you know, obviously, as you said, we'll get into it when we get to the first match. But in a lot of ways, our first match tonight is like, a complete outlier for that era of WrestleMania mm. women's title matches, right? Like it's a moment in time and it, it kind of, I mean, I think it did set the stage for the rest of her career, uh, which we'll get into, but Oracle, I'm intrigued. Your fandom of Mickey James, talk us through it, mate. So I was 13 years old when Mickey James showed up on television. Uh, so, you know, you know, there's, and you didn't go blind. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there's your, you know, there's your answers, uh, you know, whether or not I liked her or not. Um, yeah, I've 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 always been a fan of hers in the ring, um, like, but I never really thought of her as like this, you know, not even as sort of like this. I I've never thought of her as a super worker, and 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 nor would I think that after this. But it was more like right. you know, she's you know she can kind of you know do whatever she's solid. I came away thinking she's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, and like, part of it is you know we probably did pick six very good matches, but it. it it does make me wonder, and, and and Joe brought this up in our DMs about you know if if she had worked bigger matches and had and had more yeah. opportunities to work bigger matches, how good her catalog and 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 how good her uh, you know reputation would be today. Um, which you know she, she she obviously still has a very renowned reputation, but this is definitely I think one of the more successful grin grapplers we're going to do because I honestly came out thinking. She's quite good. Uh, capital very or uh, capital V very capital G good, um, <laughs> as uh, contrarian Alex likes to do. Um, she's she's just uh, she's really good in the ring, and um, yeah. I was I was very pleasantly surprised to see and and uh, find that out. Kind of like, and we'll get into this more obviously, but she's kind of like this throwback worker to like her approach to the in ring. Kind of that timeless classical American wrestling style, like the way she sells and her mannerisms. Like, there's a lot to like, and we'll, we'll go through some of the details here as we go. But, uh, Alex, same question to you, mate. Your own personal fandom, Mickey James. Yeah, you already called it out. I, I was going to give the trigger warning. Some of my takes after watching this is uh, probably going to offend modern fans by some of my praise for Mickey in comparison to a lot of modern workers specifically the pc generation performance center not politically correct but um you know i'm the old fucker here uh i remember alexis Lurie and tna and erla ray alexis Lurie, and yeah. um ring of honor 
I sent you all that picture. I remember the first the first thing I saw is she was managing AJ in ROH, and that boy that screen cap I sent you all. There doesn't it. That's the most 2002 thing you'll ever see. Yeah. She's got like those uh, pigtails on top of like those fucking what, UFOs, like those pants that Nick Mondo used to wear. And AJ's got his uh, <laughs> his first gimmick shirt that said the X Styles and the X Files font. It's, so I remember that. And then um, <clears throat> you all have to help me connect some dots, as I've commented on here before. I got to college in 2005 and immediately stopped watching all WWE that wasn't just WrestleMania and SummerSlam pretty much every year. Um, so I remember watching 22 and, um, I guess I kind of remember some of the storyline around that time, mostly from going back and rewatching it. And she was kind of a constant and, um, when did her first run in? Oh, nine. I think, yeah, I think it was yeah. the end of our nine. Yeah. Uh, 2010, shortly after WrestleMania 26. There you go. You're up in wrestling. So she was in, she pretty much went right to TNA from WWE. Yeah few months mm-hmm. off okay yeah and i remember showing up in tna and uh doing some good work there as joe pointed out i, th- I thought for sure she came in before brother terry was there but nope the, the monday night wars were already off and running uh they'd already come and gone brother that's right yeah it was only three months that it lasted and then you know in recent years it's like i said she's a constant of like uh always around always reliable always good um, I was thinking really hard about, uh, like, I had to have seen her live before from all the shows I went to, and I was just trying to remember, like, a match that wasn't a TV match, and it was the um, 33, the six mm-hmm. women challenge, because she came out, she has that Native American background, she had mm-hmm. that big headdress on, and I remember Brian Alvarez said, uh, Wahoo never looks so good, and... Um, <laughs> And, you know, immediate compliments. She's from Richmond, Virginia. I've spent a considerable amount of time in Richmond. My parents used to live in that area, and it's a lovely town. And, um, and uh, yeah, I shared an elevator with her in L.A., and, you know, I was trying not to be a weird wrestling fan because we're at the WrestleCon Hotel, and uh, I just kind of did the nod when I got in there, and she was in there, too, and it was just me and her, and it, the elevator ride just took a while, so she started talking to me, and I was just like, all right. So she's <laughs> a lovely person for my one personal interaction with her. And... Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. We like Oracle just said we're not going to come away from this talking like we're talking about Bret Hart or something. But there's something she has that's pretty special, not necessarily unique, but like her ability and her role as it's been through the past twenty years of wrestling. So I'm excited to talk about it in these matches. It's um, it also covers an interesting roadmap of wrestling and women's wrestling in particular yeah. look at like the formula of the matches from mm-hmm. go until the one we end on with uh bob's favorite jordan grace it's interesting too because you're absolutely right we see this evolution but she feels like a complete constant throughout like you can see like her performance slightly dip but she's basically the same wrestler throughout this whole journey which is wild considering the span of time a it's little pretty, bit, but nice. in one of those last message match, ugh, excuse me, you see it drop a little bit, but in one of those last matches, she starts moving too fast for one of those younger gals to keep up with. Yeah. So it's uh, interesting. It happens. I'm going to take this time when I talk about my fandom here to bury my brother, which is always a good way to start a podcast. Um, I was watching NXT TakeOver Toronto with him, and he was like, very, very dismissive of this Asuka Mickey James match. You know, like he'd kind of, I think he'd allowed the the way they branded the women's revolution to kind of like warp his brain. He's like, this is like, she's not about to hang. And 
I, I actually have some criticisms of the match when we get to it because the match is like insane in that it's basically just like a Mickey James showcase. Just it's all of her moves on Asuka. <laughs> Beats her from pillar to post. And I vividly remember him immediately in his words on that. And that's kind of like a, a vivid memory for me. And uh, a couple months later, she came in and they did the Luchadora gimmick. Remember, which got a uh, less than electric reaction from the live crowd. I think is the polite way I put it. Which, to be clear, is something we get into. I just think Mickey is like kind of criminally underserved in WWE's own history books. They never, ever shine a light on her, right, ever. And I think it showed when she came back for that angle. Um, her role well, was very frustrating. She, but She's yeah. Southern and was not trained right. by them, so there's your two reasons right there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was very noticeable when she came back, the way they treated her. Like, it was, you know, and we'll get into that for a range of reasons. But <laughs> I was still a big fan watching that run. Um, and I enjoy whenever she gets a chance to do anything of substance, one of which we cover. And I think she does a hell of a job with that. And, you know, just enjoying her. And, and then I remember kind of thinking once she – I remember she came back in the pandemic and she worked a couple matches with Zelina at the Thunderdome, I think. Uh-huh. And I remember not – I remember mm. thinking it looks like Mickey's finally hit the wall. And it then she, It looked like it. It did. And then she gets out of WWE and it's like in terms of traditional big matches – in a lot of ways, her last run in TNA has been like her most substantial because she was like the biggest star they had there for a minute. You know, that last rodeo thing was the only thing they had that got anyone talking. So cool chance to see her work some kind of big time main events. She had a couple main events on pay-per-view for them in this last car. And we cover one of them here tonight. Um, so yeah, one of those deals where like a fan have only grown to appreciate her just through her longevity. And then we're doing this. It's like, wow. She needs to be brought up more, I think. I really believe she's kind of underrated historically. I, I genuinely think that. I think we're going to try our best to paint that picture here tonight. So we'll get into it, and we'll talk it through here for our six matches. Before we do, this is one of our more uh, unique setups in terms of acts, right? Because there was not a really conventional way of doing this. Unfortunately, the first two big runs of Mickey's career are in places and promotions where there were not many opportunities to have the kind of match that fits on this lineup, basically is the best way to put it. So we kind of did it as like chunks of time. Acts two and three are very closely bunched together within themselves. Act one is kind of like the first, you know, five, six years of her national TV run, basically. Um, But honestly, she's kind of consistent in a way that transcends the acts anyway. So it is what it is. We start with, um, I mean, I think still the most famous match of her career, right? WrestleMania 22, Trish Trash. She's an interesting wrestler in that she has like two or three obvious matches for something like this. And then around 10 matches that are kind of on the bubble and we were picking through them and which one to do here, which one to do there. So this is one of the obvious ones. Um, to Alex's earlier point, obviously some stuff in Ring of Honor and TNA. She signed in 2003, I think. She was in development over two years. Yeah, I remember reading um, about her in WW on the, yeah. the interwebs. You know, she trained uh, at the Funkin Conservatory. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Real grabs, brother. Tracks for me. Um, this is obviously a famous angle. The video package recapping it at one point has like a horror score, while Jim Ross yells, <laughs> this woman is a psycho. Which, Jim is swimming back, for the fences, my God. When they <laughs> come back from the video what package. Yeah, they come back from the video package, it's just kind of quiet, and JR goes, Wow. Fair, but the the thing about this match whenever i watch it i'm reminded of just how insane it is is that trish is the hero in chicago and it's there at the bell but it escalates throughout the match to the point where jim and jerry on commentary are doing like full defense by the end of the match so like chicago's weird don't worry about it folks um it's a fascinating dynamic it really really is but at one point at one point jr says 
oh, they must have let all the crazies out of Chicago tonight. <laughs> <laughs> They're in full like Bizarro World mode, right? For this yeah, one. he uses Bizarro World and he does the, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a, a defiant crowd here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Rose throughout the match, it's amazing. We'll get into that more. But Oracle, um, what did you think revisiting this? It's a very famous match. I'm intrigued what you made of it all these years later. Um, I liked this match at the time, and I remember thinking it was like actually a good women's match in WWE. Mm-hmm. And like it was like it was kind of shocking because I was like, wait a minute, that's an actual good match that happened. Um, yeah. and uh, it was also a match that had. I mean, if you listen, the crowd's not really into it at first. Right. But like, as the match progresses and goes along, they get more into it and cheer, you know, and, 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 you know, obviously cheer Mickey along. And there was also one of those things where it's like, okay, the crowd actually cares about a women's match too. You know, like occasionally Trish and Lita's matches would get some heat, like, you know, over the years. But like, this was like an actual match that like had like some weight to it, storyline and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the match the year before was Trish against Christy Hemi, and correct, that yeah. died a horrendous death. Just for yes. context, yeah, yeah, that was that was bad. Um, it was it was over a Playboy issue too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> I'm sure one of them called the other one a whore or a slut or something. <laughs> but uh, this this holds up pretty well. Um, they actually like have an actual match structure. Fit had to have called this one, brother. Oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Of course, he was, you know, wrestling on TV by this point, but you know, he, he surely had something to do with it. And uh, Mickey, of course, works over the leg, and they do, and, and, and they do some pretty good, you know, decent. It's it's not none of it's like lighting the world on fire. It's nothing right. special, but there's there's a structure to it, you know. There's 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 decent psychology there. She's working over the leg. Trish misses the uh, chick kick on the outside and hits the hits the ring post. Yep. Mickey Mickey attacks the leg and hits the uh, you know puts in her uh, half crab. Um, I did not remember the sit out power bomb spot and that popped me. I like that I was, was on my couch. I was yeah. like, what? Sit out yeah. power bomb. Um, which was I don't know when you go back and watch some of that stuff, especially during ruthless aggression. Some of these chicks would take like big crazy spots, and it, it, yeah. it kind of surprises me be watching some of that stuff. But it, this. That uh, still caught me off guard in a good way. Um, we can't ignore the uh, very infamous stuff that's been edited out on Peacock. That edit uh, is of, one uh, of the funniest Mickey's, things. Uh, oh, yeah. Mickey's counter of the uh, yes, very creative uh, counter. Uh, Stratisfaction Bulldog. I can confirm. Also, they edited off of the original DVD release, so that was like it was. Um, is it the same edit too? Because the edit is insane. Is I don't remember if it's the, the same edit, but the. <laughs> Well, also the entire finish is edited uh, on the Peacock version, um, but um, my joke—it it, the moment's gone. It, for whom the bell tolls? When Triple H came out at WrestleMania, it was only for the live version, and then it was cut out. That was going to be my joke—that only this was on the live version. It lives forever on the internet, though. Right, right, absolutely. I'm sure, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, of course, that was a uh, you know. The pop the crowd gets for you know that just that just yeah. adds to Mickey's popularity in the match. Um, some pretty good counters there, you know, and and uh, near falls towards the end of the match, and and uh, Mickey Mickey picks up the win, which is uh, which is a cool deal. But my favorite part of the whole thing, uh, outside of the match, is right at the bell. Jerry Lawler goes, you know, Mickey James is like Mark David Chapman. 
insane line. Killed, killed John Lennon in the street. He gunned him down in public. <laughs> he goes, no, I know it's kind of an extreme example. I was like, you think? <laughs> Mark David Chapman. I was like, what the hell? There's some, Alex mentioned in our chat, but there's some unhinged commentary on our ride here for different reasons. But, um... JR, JR keeps going at the beginning of the match when Mickey comes out. He's like, I got one word for you, Mickey. Lithium. And he says it at the end too. He's celebrating on the ramp. He goes, "One word, <laughs> lithium." It's, it's quite the deal. This is the of all our matches. This is the only one we have where Mickey was the heel, right? Of all of our six matches, and yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's awesome as the bumping heel here. That shine that she takes for Trish, where she does like she throws her into the splits, and then she like just kicks her in the back, and Mickey takes that big bump to the floor, like. She was working super hard here, and obviously, understandably so. This was a huge opportunity, and she made the most of it. Um, lots to like here, Bobby. What did you make of WrestleMania 22? Yeah, I thought it ruled. You know, kind of like I said earlier, like they had this really good physical match, which you weren't really seeing from the women's division at that point. Probably the best WrestleMania women's match up to that point in time. Um, Victoria and Molly Until, had a really good match a couple of years before. When would you um, say it lost that? that mark because it go they have that for like years ahead of yeah, it, right? like 10 um, years it's been 10 years i think right yeah probably i don't remember yeah, what the women's match was at 31 but 32 is probably better but 31 like, was a tag with oh yeah Dallas, it was good right yeah yeah it's a good match so I, yeah yeah i think this is better than the 32 triple threat but yeah, it's fair yeah, too, yeah. i'm thinking yeah. you could you, you could argue i like 32 triple threat but i i think you could argue this is better What's 33? Nothing What's on lot. 33. Nothing on 33 is better. The four-way is not bad, but... Yeah, they're not better. I mean, Oscar Charlotte's great, but, I mean, the finish is, is so disappointing that it's, like, from 34. Yeah, honestly, not to remind Joe and Alex of that show, but... Might have had it until Bianca and Sasha, <laughs> honestly. You just, should we just decide that retroactively? Yeah, let's just, just declare it. it. Yeah. Why not? Um, I love it. And I think the thing that really helped, too, is the placement on the card uh, really stood out because you know, they had Edge and Foley, and then instead of going right into this match, they did Boogeyman and Booker um, before that. And then they went into Mickey and Trish, which really helped because the other women's match was, I think, between the two world title matches. So yeah, that didn't really oh have a chance. God, and, yeah, I mean, you know, give the people a chance to get up and, you know, go do whatever during Boogeyman and Booker, and then they're back for this one. They're ready. I love it. Yeah. Play. I didn't notice that match went on before this, and I was like, that's a good point, Bob. I'm glad you noted that, because I was like, hmm, that's different. That shows you there's that's some faith in the angle. I know that mm-hmm. um, Alex Greenfield, was it, the guy who used to write for the WWF? I'm pretty sure he was, like, the driving force behind this, and he famously told a story about a Vince's reaction to the aforementioned creative counter of, of Mickey's. Yeah, he was not thrilled, I remember the story being, which is, you know, you get what you get, I suppose. It was worth it. I got a... I gotta mention the segue that uh, Cole and Taz did from the uh, Booker Boogeyman to the to the uh, Trish Mickey video package. Mm-hmm. Like afterwards, they were like, "Look at all these worm, you know, making all these dumb worm jokes." And like, and the, and then Cole goes over to Jr. and King goes, "Hey, you guys knew." He goes, "These guys know all about worms. They're from the south." <laughs> <laughs> Those dumb fucking Southerners. <laughs> Life flies preaching, you know. Like. Yeah, yeah. That was great, boss. <laughs> and the comment was like, "Well, you know, well, you know, usually we have them in our tackle box, or you know." <laughs> 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 
Um, to your point earlier, Oracle, about counters, what about that one she does on Trish's head scissors where she just sort of she just sort of hoes her and falls to the floor? It was like a good way to break your ankle. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, that rule. The crowd loved that spot. They they popped big for that. Um, they liked a lot of the, the finishing stretch. They were really into it. Alex, what did you make of this one on Revisit? Yeah, man. This is good shit. It's, uh, it was a really good angle, of course, because of the time period and the way they viewed women. It veers a bit too far into the sexual... Right like aspect of it that's a really good idea like a wrestler comes up and is obsessed with this other wrestler who is their hero and the difference like with a lot of shit is that or a lot of people wouldn't work is mickey's so good and like from day one like the first time i ever saw her even like if you go back and watch like when she was aj's manager in roh or like when she was with punk and tna she was a natural and I, you know she wasn't dustin rhodes but she was a natural and she and I don't mean that in the sense that they mean it today of like, oh, they can do f- fucking right. 30 minutes of fl- front rolls without blowing up or, oh, they can hit the ropes. Like, she just got it, man. And you see it here, like her facial expressions and the way. Wrestling charisma, I guess you could say. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the thing that they can't and have not teach to anybody in years. Um, and she definitely leans into the crowd here. She uses some of her womanly uh, attributes to kind of get the crowd on her side and it's it's a really fun performance to watch and I'm not saying that in a way to shame her it's really like a uh, a fun performance to watch like I said um, what else I got here it's a weird Wrestlemania man if you look at the card for this many on paper it's it's a strange one mm-hmm. um, I did because it has one of my favorite unprotected chair shots ever I did fast forward and watch uh, Sean belt Vince in the head with the chair and uh-huh. uh Bob, uh, he hits, he blasts Vince, and Jr. goes, "It's long, it's out of here." And King goes, "Cubs win, Cubs win." <laughs> um, the opening is fantastic. Trish just comes out of the gate beating the shit out of Mickey. It's like, uh, like we've been saying, you guys all mentioned it. It's wholly unlike anything we were used to at this time. I remember um, my favorite women's match up until that point would have been the triple threat with jazz Victoria and Trish at 19. And that was just kind of like seven minutes, spot, 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 spot match. But it was very rare. We had like a women's match where there was a story and like one of the women was legitimately angry at the other one and tried to beat the shit out of them and not, you know, just rip their clothes off or something. So the opening stretch is a lot of fun. Um, Somewhere a young Roderick strong or a young Walter or both for watching this and taking notes at the spot where Trish goes to kick Mickey and she ducks mm-hmm. and she kicks the post. Cause you know, both those guys love that for whatever reason, that chop spot um, defiant crowd. We talk about that. We uh, we're not doing Trish Stratus green grappler, but this is one of those matches you watch and it's unbelievable how good she got with like the limited resources that were available to her at the time. Like it was just some moment where she's like selling in the corner. I was like, dude, she's, like they brought her in just to be a Barbie doll, just to stand there and have like her cleavage just heaving and just kind of stand there. And she obviously took a liking to it and learned how to be really good at it. And this is um, a good example of that. Uh, Mickey gets a little excited at one point. She gets up, Trish gives her a suplex or something. And she gets up before Trish is up and Trish, just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are you doing? And then uh, Oracle already called it out, but uh, Trish takes a moment to uh, go back to the 1994 Super J Cup and reverse a Hurricane Rana into a sit-out powerbomb. It's a fantastic moment of uh, wrestling there. 
that spot. Mickey does it here, and she brings it back in the Oscar match, that thing where she kicks the leg out and then puts her knee up so it hits Trish in the face on the way down. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then, yeah, wonky finish. The, the whole finish is edited because the original finish was um, Mickey goes to give Trish the bulldog, what's that called, the stratisfaction, yeah. and they just completely fall. And like yeah. the crowd, yeah. like you can, you can hear it on one of the replays, the crowd, you know, Chicago, you fucked up. So like you would do, Mickey just picks her up and kicks her in the head. And it's like, all right, fuck this. And so, that makes more sense. Yeah. I was confused by that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I could be conflating stories here, but I remember Mickey being on Colt's podcast years ago. And I think what happened was uh, what she said was like, the grabbing the crotch was planned, but then she ad-libbed the licking her hand yes, part. And that's, that's right, uh, yeah. And she had some story about she got back there and Vince was mad and her mom was also back there. So it was like one of the weirdest moments of her life. <laughs> like she's getting scorned for being, you know, overtly sexual while her mom's there. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it holds up. I love uh, the fucking Hey Mickey knockoff that she came out to throughout her whole <laughs> WWE career and it's um, it's fun, and it's like if you're just kind of used to the the current temperature and you know post Stephanie McMahon inventing women's wrestling style, um, this doesn't really stand out as much. But if you kind of know the context and can put yourself what against what else was contemporary, it's uh, it definitely stands out. There's a reason people talk about it all these years later, and it's not just that insane spot. Absolutely. It's, it's a genuine piece of history and it meant a lot for the division and it meant a lot for Mickey's career, that goes without saying. And I definitely think it falls in that category of like good match, great moment. And I don't mean that as an insight, it's just that sometimes those are things that live with us, right, in wrestling. That's remember we did a couple months ago when we did Lex and we got to the Hogan match and it's like, yeah, the match is fine, but the moment is like Lex is the height of his career, you know? And I think yep. this is similar to that, honestly. Um, you ever actually watched Taker and Brock from 30? I, I hope not, because all all it's you need slog. to remember is the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a slog. Um, uh, trust me, I remember watching it, and it was fucking awful. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest kind of takeaway here is to Alex's earlier point. It's when the people start cheering Mickey, the way that she just absolutely bosses that scene, like she just relishes that moment. It's like, look, there are a lot of lot of men and women who can do the mechanics of pro wrestling and so on and so forth, but. You have there's a certain level of charisma, personality, and frankly, just passion for being in front of the people to make that moment yours the way she does there. Like there's a moment when I think it's when the single leg Boston, like Trish gets the ropes and she just stops and like brings the people in. And it's like, like how old was Mickey then? You know, like she's only been on TV for like six months. It's but that's to your point, she just got pro wrestling on a very to its absolute bone, she's got pro wrestling. So it's a really cool deal. Um, and, you know, I, I think Trish's, Mickey's career story about this moment is kind of unfathomable because it, it sets stage for everything that follows. I mean, in the last match we did, what does Tom Phillips put over? He's like, she had the famous feud with Trish Stratus. It's an important part of her career. So uh, I liked it a lot. I was glad to revisit. Really they, good stuff. Um, they got their moment in the first Women's Rumble. They, they faced off when mm-hmm. everyone else was down because of this. Yeah. You're right. I forgot about that. Absolutely, yeah. And they, they worked... Uh, they did the tag at Evolution, right? Trish, uh, Trish and Lita versus Mickey and uh, Fox. Foxy. Yeah. Who? That was the match where, bless her heart, but Alicia Alicia kept. Fox. That was the match where Mickey on like three different occasions was like, Alicia, I'm getting pinned. Yeah. For Foxy. 
Bliss. Did Alexa Bliss wrestle on that show? She was no, the she got concussed. For, um, yeah, Mickey and Mickey and uh, that was when Alexa was out of a concussion for two months, and they brought her back and put on a house show loop against Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey in a tag. You, <laughs> multiple people were involved in that decision. Never forget this is the industry we we love. But uh, yeah, she was at ringside. <laughs> they they brought her like back and booked her against Doctor Death in a cage match. Right. <laughs> Did she do a promo at the start of the show as I Oracle? Did she was she just at ringside? Uh I think she was just at ringside. Well, I mean, you know, years later they booked her in a ladder match against Shotzi, so I mean Um Yeah. True. <laughs> and, and, and and for what it's worth, I like Shotzi too, Alex, but no, oh, yeah, Shotzi's a hoot. It was just, you know <laughs> it's not so much booking them both for the match, it's having them do an electric chair spot. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Anyway, it's a different show for another day. Um, right. So, in the years between the first match and the second match, again, our first act is very loose here. So, she's very quickly turned babyface, right? Like, it feels like she was babyface before. So, so she's. Go ahead. Go on. Mm-hmm. Oh, mate. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry you know better than me, bro. Go. So, Backlash 2006, I have that DVD where Shawn Michaels teams with God, you know, our Lord and Savior, and faces oh, yeah. Jane and Vince. Um, Physical media. But- but um, uh, so Trish and Mickey have a rematch at Backlash, and this is the one where like Trish is dressed as Mickey, and Mickey's dressed as Trish, and having that match, or whatever. When they did the whole thing after Mania, yes. And uh, Trish gets her last injury before she comes back for a brief, uh, like you know, like three month run before she retires. She she dislocates the hell out of her shoulder in a really nasty injury. And like you've probably seen a clip of it before, where like she like Trish gets like pushed over the top rope, takes a crazy bump, and her like when she tries to hang on to let go to take the bump, oh. her dislocates on her way down. Yikes! Um, so Mickey was like, I think heal for a little while longer, and then they just like sometime during the summer or like in the fall, maybe maybe around the time Trish came back, they just turned Mickey face. And she kind of took like uh, Trisha's spot as the number one babyface after mm-hmm. after Trish retired, and she had a program with Lita, and of course ended up retiring Lita at Survivor Series. Um, which and that match is pretty good, right? Uh, I don't know. I've never rewatched it. That show's so bad, and the only yeah. thing I remember about watching that show is Crime Time, like oh yeah, like like selling off Lita's like lingerie after the match, post match, mm-hmm. and like humiliating her. And I was like. I don't know. I remember in the build to that, or like, because it was such an outlying moment. Anytime it comes up, I always repost it. It's, um, I think it's when Lita wins her number one contender spot. Mickey's on commentary, and Lita like wins and goes out to the uh, out of the ring and immediately gets in Mickey's face, and Mickey like throws off the headset, and they start like talking mad shit to each other face to face, like you would see at like a boxing press conference or something. And it was just like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to beat your ass type stuff. And it was so, the reason I remember it is because at that time, all the women in WWE just hated each other because they were women and called each other mm-hmm. bitch and stuff like that. So I remember it felt like a real thing. And it was, I, yeah. it's, it's 30 seconds of television from 20 years ago, but it just stuck with me because it's so different from everything else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So M- she went with Melina a lot in like, what, 07? 07, yeah. Because Melina was at like the top heel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, eventually, the only thing that I think is that I, that I know for sure, I think is unfortunately lived in history, is the very unfortunate Mich- uh, Michelle McCall 
feud, right? With the whole Piggy oh, James. Oh, yeah, Lake Cole feud, yeah. Piggy James horseshit. Yeah, yeah which, just... I mean, to be fair, unlike the other few we'll get to later, at least she won in the end, I think, that one at some point. Yeah, she, she did. She, yeah. she won the feud. But, but you know, that makes any better, but one of the feuds we'll cover later, she just loses, and it's like, it's just mind-boggling to me, like genuinely, and we'll get to it. But, um, but yeah, is there anything else, Oracle, you'd like, Say from that first run is worth noting. She really just kind of took the spot of Trish as like she was the last kind of like I don't know, Trish and Lita were like, you know, kind of the cornerstones of Victoria and them uh from like the early part of Ruthless Aggression and then then Mickey kind of took over with Beth uh and Melina and I guess really those were kind of the top three after that and they were kind of the top three. Um, where they where they kind of gave him time sometimes, but not really. You know, they might get a seven or eight minute pay per view match. Um, this was all kind of like the last vestiges before they turned PG, and then like everything became like two minute diva matches. You know, right? Because if, if you look back at Ruthless like aggression, they have a lot of five six minute TV matches, and like right. the pay per view matches, they get like seven eight nine minutes. But when they when they transition in 09 or so. It's like they do. It, it's just killed dead even more. Like, yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't. She won the Divas title, right? Because her and Michelle. Oh yeah, she, she won belt, the right? title several yeah. times. I think it was like six times. I think Tobbs Phillips or whoever was saying it. The... But like the actual Divas belt, because I know she won the. Well, she, but she yeah, won the, she the, won the, the yeah. Divas belt a couple times. I think, yeah. I think so because, but I never. I don't know about you guys, but I never associate her with that belt because of what you just kind of laid out. Oracle. I always think of her as the era before. Mm-hmm. Because that's when they had both belts for a while, I think, right? They had like, yeah, they had, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. She so, was um, she was the number one woman on the roster in terms of, um, I, I don't know. Beth kind of took her over by the end of '07, but she was at least the number one babyface from probably the right. end of '06 until the middle of '08. Yeah, yeah. Who was the? Who would have been the internet women darling woman darling at that time? Was that like cheerleader Melissa? Sarah, yeah. Sarah Del Rey. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably one of those two. Yeah. So you know we've gone through this here, and I am I'm aware that cuts were different then, and the releases were different then, and they were a lot more like just guys would just move on. But it's always struck me as wild in history, like how Mickey's release just it appears to have happened like really suddenly. Was that the the read at the time? Because she's like champ. A couple months before she was like, oh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so so she won the Lake Cole feud and then she just like dipped out like shortly after Mania. You know, I'm 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 sure the Picky James storyline didn't uh didn't help didn't help matters. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Just it's an interesting one. Uh but nonetheless, WWE's loss was was TNA's gain. Unfortunately, she was headed to Honestly, maybe the worst version of TNA. <laughs> it would get a little better during her run, but that first, the, she enters like the worst possible point. She enters on the TV before, yeah, but not just like she enters on the TV before 10 10 10. And on, ten, on Bound for Glory, she's the special guest referee. So she's her first like real appearance is on the night that they shoot that angle. To was like that, this horrible reaction, you know. That's Jeff Hardy turning heel, trying to redo the yes. NWO, right? Okay. That's because after months of they and they are coming to because Hogan does the the hoof <laughs> stash when Jeff turns heel. <laughs> so, unfortunately, you know, she's she's entering a pretty uh, tumultuous time. But, fellas, TNA Turning Point 2010, Mickey James versus Tara. 
This is a certified hidden gem. Yes. And the only reason this match is not recognized and celebrated is because hardcore wrestling fans are like deeply offended by no finish deals. They hate any type of no finish. And it shows here because this match should be remembered very fondly. It's not because of the finish, I think. But uh, nonetheless, let's get into it. There's a pre-match promo beforehand um, from Mickey. Very short one. This is when Tara is doing her like biker gimmick. Right. Bro. And uh, yeah. do, do anyone know the story? Indeed. Does anyone know the story behind the biker gimmick? Or would you guys like me to explain it to you? She. All right. Hold on. Okay. Go on. There was someone that was saving Angelina Love, right? A mysterious helmeted biker, and it turned out to be close. Tara. It was wow. it was all elite wrestling style, Madison Rain. Very close. That's okay. Right. Yeah. So it's even deeper than that, as most Vince Russo stories are. Um, Tara lost a title versus career match to Madison Rain, and had to leave TNA. And so there, she returned under the the biker gimmick to help Madison Rain. Which begs the question, if she was helping the person who ended her career, did she have to hide at all? Because it feels like she'd be the main issue when it comes to... Normally, wrestlers would hide to attack the wrestler who... (laughs) I don't know. Um, So anyway, it's quite the ordeal. Not exactly a red-hot angle leading her into this this thing. But this is... Mickey debuted on TV. She had like a couple matches, and this is her first pay-per-view match back in TNA. Um, Real quick, Joe, just for... uh, To put ourselves back in some TNH... You care if I run down the card of the show real quick? Please do, yes. We opened off with Robbie E. and Cookie. I believe that was Becky Bayless. Uh, yep. Defeated Jay Lethal for the X Division title. We're about to talk about the second match in just a moment. The Machine Guns against Team 3D went 20 minutes. Machine Guns won. That was the, that's the one this show's most famous because that was their retirement match. Remember? Yeah. That was that deal. This is what led to Bully Ray and yep. Aces and Eights. Um, Rob Van Dam defeated Tommy Dreamer 16 minutes 53 seconds that's actively offensive yeah. Yeah, that's disgusting and a 10-man tag AJ Styles Doug Williams James Storm oh, no. Kazarian and Bob Rude defeated Raven Rhino Sabu Stevie oh, Richards no. and Ryan Kendrick it's one thing to bunch up all your good wrestlers but to put them against those guys is so much worse you know like oh. uh Abyss defeated Pope D'Angelo De Niro. I don't remember who I saw tweet this the other day. Someone was saying that L.A. Knight stole his whole act from Pope D'Angelo De Niro. And I was just like, well, L.A. Knight's good. So what's the what's the harm done here? Yeah, and he, he stole his act from people way before Pope D'Angelo De Niro. Come on, that's ridiculous. And Pope, like, God bless him, but he, he was literally just doing Dusty Roads. Like, whole body was Dusty Roads. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett defeats Samoa Joe by submission in 10 minutes and 32 oh, seconds. That was Jeff, wasn't it? Like, that was when they set up like MMA Jeff, I think. That oh, finish was. That, that rules. And then <laughs> your main event, a sellout anywhere around the world. Jeff Hardy defeated that can't-miss prospect Matt Morgan in 13.06. Oh, he's going to oh. figure out one day, brother. He's going to figure out one day. Uh, I, yeah. I don't need to see those other matches to know we covered the best match on the show. Indeed. Um, this is also our first experience on this ride of hardcore country, one of the all-time great wrestling themes. Um, one day I'll hear this theme without popping and like immediately find it funny. It's yet to not happened today. I love it. Mickey charges the ring. They start brawling, and this thing kicks ass from start to finish. They have like eight minutes. God, this rocks. Alex, tell the people about this. 
Well, first off, we got to start off with Jeremy Borash just drunk or high or some shit, uh, or just not paying attention at all. He begins to announce that it's a title match, but it's not, and then just cuts it off. And then he goes, accompanied by Madison Rain, not there. And then he said, he is Tara. <laughs> and Taz, it's just quiet, and Taz immediately says, um, JB been hitting that rum candy, and like, Tanae pops in a way that's clearly not him, like in character. Like he just kind of squeal laughs and has to stifle it. Uh, and also Taz immediately, like they start fighting and he's like, not a fun or jovial mood here. And Tanae goes, or jovial. <laughs> he's like, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Taz. Uh, and I guess, yeah, because I want to be complimentary of the match and not lose sight of that. Uh, Taz and Tanae, we'll get this out of the way, are just ungodly horny this entire match yes. um to, like some of their back and forth is funny because like mike tenay is the perfect straight man like he's always been really good at like you know oh you mean this and because like taz says something about i can't read tara's shirt it's all stretched out and tenay says well i don't know why or something it's it's stupid but it's um it, it's funny enough uh but it shouldn't take away from the match because this match is like um it it looks like they don't want to work together and are just like beating each other up and not like they don't really do any spots and there's like a lot of hair pulling but not in that like russo style of like uh, jerry springer style like it looks like they're really trying to hurt each other and get like the upper hand on like you know like you would see in a street fight when a woman pulls their hair and try to get in there with like a punch or some shit like that and um like, at one point, Mickey just looks like hell. I mean, you know, comparatively speaking. Like, her hair is all fucked up, and her yes, makeup's, so. like, smeared. It's, it's she, fucking... makes, she looks a badass. She's, <laughs> She's like, like, cooling her on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, my note here says messy in a good way. Like, it just... It's sloppy, but in a purposeful way of, like, these two women really don't like each other and just trying to beat the shit out of one another. And then it leads to a brawl. And was that Garrett Bischoff, the referee? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I thought he looked familiar. Um, and then they do a pull apart and Mickey hits the ring and she goes, get your fucking ass in here and calls her back. And it's, and like they, they're brawling. They still got like a hold of each other while they're fighting off the security guards to get like away from them. And you know, the video on YouTube, including entrances and the post match brawl is 13 minutes long, but like, uh, in a way different than anything else we watched because I had never seen this. I had no idea what it was. Like this, this was the hoot of the episode for me because yes. I was just kind of like mm-hmm. pumping my fist and like um, that spot when they get on top and Tara tries to go for something and Mickey just sweeps her leg out so she's like on top of her so she can just like hit her and she's laying these forearms into her. It's you know, it's a prime example. We had a brief back and forth in our chat about this. You know, you said it's the lowest rated match on Cage Match that we did, and it's like. An example of like uh, you can keep your clean chain wrestling sometimes, and just give me something like this, and I'll yeah. be more than satisfied with it. And, and to that point, I've watched. I recently watched TNA 2010 from January 4th to 10 10 10. Watched every episode. I honestly am not sure anything got over as much as this did. <laughs> and that's that's where like the imaginary online fans playbook of like no finish bad. It's like the people love this deal, and I. I'm actually going to watch the rematches on Boom because they actually interest me. But 
they do they don't just do the Rusev and blow it off the next week. The next month they do a false count anywhere, and then they play they blow it off of a steel cage match. So I'm going to actually circle back to those because even yeah. 13 years later, I was like, that sounds like wrestling to me. You know, this got out of control and it felt out of control, which is which is the way it's supposed to be. There's there's some just outright intensity here. It feels hateful, as you said. It's a, it's a hell of a, I mean, I don't I haven't seen a ton of Tara's work. I don't in my mind anyway think of her as like a classical worker by any means, but. There's a toughness to her game for sure, and it fit in this match. Like she yeah, both hardcore matches are all really good. They, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, she's another one kind of like Trish too. Of like, she was a fitness model. I think they brought her in as one of the hoes uh, yeah. to give you an right. idea of the time mm-hmm. period. And she just took a liking to it and got really good at it. And yeah, just kind of put the the pin on it or like my cap on it. Um, Hidden gem is right because it's no one. Like it, you are a psychopath, Joe. Like it, it's like TNH should be enough for people to listen to and be like, man, none of this is worth going back and revisiting. Um, that Hogan era. I mean, some of the aces and eight stuff you got a little bit. I, I, also, to convince people that Bully Ray was a good character at one point in time. But like, we went down the card of this. Like, if anyone read this, they would have no hinkling to watch this show at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch it, it is. It's got some insane misogynistic commentary on top of it that, like I said, depending on your prerogative, can be kind of humorous. But it's it's one of those things of like everything surrounding this match has kind of hidden it in time and to the point where I had never seen it or knew about it until today. And I'm telling you, it's on YouTube, on the TNA channel or Impact Wrestling, whatever they call it now. You should watch it. It's a fucking hootski. Absolutely. I love it. Bobby, what did you think? Yeah, I had a blast with it too, man. Uh, it, Alex made a really good point. You know, it feels like a fight. It's not, you know, super polished. And uh, I think that's something that just really works, especially in this context. Like, uh, I, you know, again, never would have went on my way to watch this. Uh, you know, I saw the cage match rating. I'm like, well, we don't know how that's going to be. And then it ended up being great. I was mad at cage match yesterday. And uh, I so thought it was past t- that, but I was, I was mad, man. And, uh, Sometimes with these old ones, Dave's closer to the money. And Dave gave it like three and a quarter, which is that's a good grade. And Cage yeah. is like a five point something or another. What was you going to say, yeah. Bob? No, but I, I had a great time with it. Um, again, not really super familiar with her TNA work, but uh, you know this and the other two matches we watched kind of a really good encapsulation. You know, the other two are different than this one, but this uh, this was this was awesome, man. In terms of Mickey individually too, she takes some incredible bumps here. The, the neck breaker on the top rope for the cutoff. Yeah. She does that whiplash bump. At one point, Tara does like a bill and she flies through the air. My goodness, she was mm-hmm. you could tell she was super motivated to make this work in TNA. And unfortunately, you know, she would be you only do so much, unfortunately, as we've learned many times over and still learn to this day. But she she tries her absolute best here. It's a hell of a time. Oracle, this struck me when I was watching this thing. This is this is right up the Oracle of Rest in the Street. This is Oh man, they just they're just tearing into each other, man. Like I, I like every time they would do the hair pulling thing where they would like a it would be like a collar and elbow hair pull basically. <laughs> they're like going all over the ringside doing that that, that shit ruled, man. And like Or could you know, pop my, for the, the she had the single crab and then reached back and pulled her hair while she had the single leg crab? Yes, that yeah. ruled. And then they and then like honestly my favorite parts were like when they would like break out of the fight for a minute and they would like you know, like the camera panned to their facial expressions. They just looked like so like haggard and pissed off and like wanted to kill each other. It will. Um, I imagine 
I don't know. Is 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 there is there like step matches any good or, or is there there's just or is it just not is it not any well, good? I will report back. There's the cage match has got some good reviews, but it's because it's on impact TV, it's kinda of like lost, you know? Right. But I will watch it and I'll I'll tell you. But yeah, I'm, I mean based I'm, on this dynamic, they have a good shot. It, it, I think, it, I, think it, it, I, think I was like, I wonder if they're you know, if if yeah. the whole feud is good. Yeah. Where are we here in relation to the Awesome Kong Gail Kim feud? That was a couple of years before this, right? Yes, yeah, and that was. Oh. I was talking to our friend, the famous confirmed Shield, saying it's a shame she didn't get a chance to work with Kong in you know that kind of version of TNA. I think, yeah. I think the knockouts were in a better place then. I think, um, honestly, just on the back. I mean, even the initial Beautiful People run is like a, they're really over, right? They're a good act. By this point, it's like Russo is he's Russoing, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's another one. Like beautiful people, Velvet Sky in particular. Uh, when the beautiful people started, that was a good act, man. Yeah, so much so that the WWE completely stole it and called it lay cool. Yeah. Indeed, yep. the, the month before this match, this is just TNH stuff now. But you know, I'm never gonna have a chance to this again. But the month before this match, they do a deal where they do Madison and Tara versus Velvet and Angelina, who are now the baby faces, and the stip is. The winner gets the rights to the beautiful people name and theme, and in the in the most incredible players. So Madison's a blonde at this point, right? And she comes out with her hair dyed. She's a brunette, and it's like she must have just killed the. She must have just told me she's losing this deal. I mean, come on, what, what happened to the game I love? You know, I mean, it's like a spoiler. <laughs> that was that's when Pritchard was with them, right? A little bit before. Oh, because that sounds like a slide. Bruce. Pr- yeah. Anytime there's like a tangible thing on the line, that's usually a Bruce Pritchard 101. Like if there's a jacket or a hat up for grabs, that's like Bruce's yeah. go to, man. It's interesting. You might, I think he might have came in like the month after, very soon. I know he got a lot he of saw power that, later that stipulation. Later. He's yeah. like, that's where I want to be, man. That's the company <laughs> I want to work for. <laughs> he said they're starting to figure it out, bro. Let's go. Um, yeah. It says a lot about, you know, Rus- the Russo Hogan time that like bischoff's uh, sorry uh, pritchard's increased power made the show better which tells you a lot about how bad it was like genuinely that's because i always say it you know they win they win worst tv show in 2010 and 2011 and they win best tv show in 2012 which is like a thing that does not get talked about how insane that is they actually did that it was like it was kind of good that year and then it goes back to being aces and eights another story for another day um indeed Match rules, post-match rules, absolute who, great piece of business. Okay. Oracle, I, I got we got Oracle here, so we got to quiz them. Give us a, give us a great non-ending and a horrible non-ending for a match, since that's obviously one of the sticking points with this one. Like uh, a DQ or something. What's like one of the all-time best and all-time worst non-finishes to a match? Oh. We lost the Oracle of Wrestling sound. I forgot. I, I, I forgot. Okay, I'm muted. muted. Um, I feel like got me all nervous because you know I feel, I I feel like I'm taking my ACT again or something. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I would I would have to think about that a little bit. Um, honestly. What's the most famous? One that I always see clipped is the one when Randy hits the ref. Oh, with Cena. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know if it's I don't know if people liked it or not, but it's very famous, right? People always clip it. Is that the one with Cena? Or is it yeah, the, no one, way out. the one with Christian where he beats the shit out of the ref to or no, that's Christian beats Christian. 
Hits he kicks around, Christian in the dick. And then Christian wins the title by DQ. That's what it was. Yes. I was it, talking about the Cena one, yeah. yeah okay. Cena, is, he did it to retain the title because he lost by DQ. That's I just wanted a chance to talk shit about that Brock Taker finish at SummerSlam 15. I hate that so oh much. Oh, my God. Oh, that's an awful one. That that might be the answer right there. Yeah. Because it just made me think of that with this because it's a program that had an awesome pull apart and a non-finish that sucked. So it was like the the two yeah. there. But yeah. Is, it, is that when they did like the triangle choke deal? It's yeah. when um, he had Taker in the Kimura and Taker tapped, but the ref didn't see it, but the timekeeper did. So he rang the bell and then the ref was arguing and yeah, Taker had to show off his jujitsu. So Taker, I, that I, was I, when they I like... remember finished. And then of course the famous spot where Taker and Brock both stand up and Brock does that. And then Taker does the, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taker was kind of the heel in that in that deal. That was kind of weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Random Undertaker heel turn in 2015. <laughs> he was just obsessed with kicking Brock in the dick. He did that. That was like the entire build. Every time he got him, he'd kick him in the nuts. But yeah, it's just funny because like non finishes are like the first like eight WrestleManias have at least one or two non finishes. It's oh, just yeah. like it was so par for the course, and now people just detest them so much. Oh, the 80s were like. Chock full of them. You have to do them sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, like, I, and people always were saying, I get the point, but people say, if you haven't got finished, don't book the match. But you don't always have that luxury. Not every promotion has 100 wrestlers. They can just fucking roll for, you know, sometimes you have to do the match to have a good show. Otherwise, you end up with the Iron Savages out it, there, uh, you know? Uh, uh, the one at uh, AWA Super Sunday, whatever it was, where Hogan beat Bach and then they, and they took it oh, That's away. the worst one ever. That's the worst yeah. one ever. You just go ahead. That's it. That's the <laughs> worst. One. No, that has to be it. That killed the territory. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Yeah. They, um, they were packing like 10,000, 12,000 people in for those shows, man. That's crazy. If you ever watched that, too, like the original broadcast version of it, that crowd is like oh. feverishly hot for Hulk Hogan. It's a great match, too. Yeah. It is. Rules. I imagine in today's climate of Tony Khan, if one of his big matches, like on a pay per view, had a non finish, he'd be chased down the street with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> they do that unification match. We may see some bash at the beach business, but I digress. What other matches do you guys think? Mickey James, Act One. So I, I'm going to note the Tyree matches just because I think they probably are good. Um, I, I probably, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to ask anyway. Are those Madison Rain matches any good? No, I, I didn't. Think so. <laughs> like Madison Rain is like since because I have a lot of fun with Matt telling her that she was really good back in the day. She's kind of like she was like the prototype Alexa, mm-hmm. and I'm going to use the word prototype to be polite and leave it at that. <laughs> Any other matches to note, fellas? <laughs> you know, she has uh... similar strengths, but they're just a little bit. She was in TNA for so long. I just I didn't watch a lot of it, you know. Seems like a very nice person, you know. Sky Blue's got a lot better since Madison Rain came in too, but nonetheless. Oh no, oh no, I was talking about Mickey. Oh but... no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's still on occasion shoot will message me with Madison Rain, but listen, man. Give us some time. Get comfortable, you know. <laughs> Not every player's best on their new team. But uh, he's not going to watch this, so I'll be honest. Um, no, Mickey James, I'm with Oracle. We didn't see a lot of it. Uh, the there was a Molina match that had positive reviews. Yeah. Bob, any memories of any Mickey James matches? We should call her individual matches. Um, 
Not really. I mean, we talked about the Lita match. The, there's a couple of Molina matches, like you said, that are good. They have like a false count anywhere match on Raw. That's not bad. It's like March 2007. Um, other than that, though, not really. Okay. And that's Where's a shame. Me, Alex? Really given the opportunities. Oh, yeah. It's not, you know, I think when we finish this, everyone will realize that we appreciate as a worker. It just is what it is, right? In this time. Uh, Alex, anything to share in particular? Uh, again, that whole era is kind of a. Uh, yeah. WWF is blank for me, but was she in the WrestleMania 25 Battle Royal, that Santino one? I think Probably. she was. That's, um, that happened today. I'm sure the reaction would be pretty normal. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, okay. We move ahead here. We go ahead, what, six years? NXT TakeOver Toronto. <laughs> A different time, folks. A different time. Sean Spears and Bob Roode kicked this one off, and let me tell you, the people were rocking, and I don't really know why, but they were rocking. It was a, it was a different time. In 2015, of course, Mickey was famously murdered by James Storm on national television. Oh, yes. She, she managed to survive this, and uh, she came into NXT for a one-off, and the rumor at the time was it was supposed to be Trish, but Trish, I think, has since said that she was never asked for this. So I, when I was looking at this earlier, what I kind of Trish pieced together Oscar. was, yeah, what I kind of pieced together was, Summer of 2016, NXT's division changed, right? Because Bailey had her last match, but in the draft, they took Carmella, Nia, and Alexa, who were kind of like, if you watched NXT, it felt like they, those were the next three, and they mm -hmm. just all went up instead, and it was kind of weird. Like, the division just kind of missed a big gap. Um, so I think this was a way to kind of, you know, stop gap as they waited to get Ember ready, because that was her next big program. I think even in the January show, she did like a four-way, right? Which was probably another one. Uh, it was like Ruby and... Who? Oh, I, I forget. Asuka? Uh, Asuka did, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, hold on, I'll get up. It was Asuka, the Iconics, and uh, Nikki Cross. There we go. Okay, there we go. So it was kind of an interesting time, and it was a chance for Mickey to work a one-off here. They they did, like, one promo um, and, you know, kind of built it with, like, a sports-style talking heads thing, right? They kind of had, like, the women talking about all their accomplishments separately and so on and so forth. Mickey gets the big welcome back chance. She gets a hell of a response. Obviously, this is her actual return to the promotion, as I referenced earlier. But it's a really, like, kind of unique match in the NXT lore. You know, as someone who loves that that part of the, that history of the brand, this really stands out as a strange deal. Um, but it's, it's a good one. <laughs> there I am there. Um, lots to like here. Alex, you were very keen on I mean, we're always going to put this on the list anyway, but you were very much like, we, we got to the Asuka match. Um what did you make of this, Reeve? Isn't it an interesting time to look back on? Yeah, man. It's good shit. Uh, this show, of course, before this match was the... Yeah. Gotta be top five, top three NXT matches ever. DIY and Revival in that two out of three falls match. Um, yeah, man. I, I like the idea of the champions killed everybody, so they have to bring in just like a ringer. Not a ringer per se, but you know, an old vet. That's right. uh, that's how they tried to get the fucking world championship off of uh, Jack Johnson back at the turn of the 1900s. Was brought Jim Jeffries said, "Hey, we, we need you, man." And so I guess Paul called Mickey James and said, "We need you, pal." Um, <laughs> you know, they, they can't do that on the main roster because everyone there is supposed to be important anyway. So it's one of those yeah. uh, unique opportunities that's afforded, and I feel. 
possibly speaking out of ignorance because I don't watch it that much, but I feel they rely on that pretty heavily in NXT currently. The idea of like bringing in someone to, I'm going to test you to see if you have what it takes against this For guy. Sure. Yeah. I do it all yeah. the time. Um, short little match, 15 minutes. Mickey looks great, and I don't mean that necessarily in a male gaze way. I mean that like she's in good shape and like she moves really well. And um, you got a fantastic lockup to start this. One of those that they take to the mat and try to, you know, jockey for position. They roll out of it, and um, you know, Oscar was just. We did a grin grappler on Oscar, and we talk about this particular time period, like her aura. And then also just how fucking good she was. And I see we have a, a comment uh, about her decline. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, well, a lot, like a handful of people talking about how, you know, she's lost it. And it's just kind of like, my thought is she's in a position, especially with the gal she's working with, there's only so much she can do anymore. And uh, back at this time period, I'm not going to say she's necessarily as good as she was seven years ago, but like, also, there was just a lot of unique opportunities here to be constantly working with right. different people, and well, to be main roster habits too, right? There's certain things yeah. you have to, yeah. Well, what I was going to say too is there was a constant ability to have different kinds of matches. She could squash someone in 30 seconds, right? Or then have a 15 minute match with Mickey James that's back and forth, that type of thing. So, main roster she, habits. She also habit. teamed with the. Uh, she also teamed with the, uh, you know. Alexa Bliss for six months and that can figure out how it really works. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I went for the cut and Alexa says work, you know, it's, uh, it's predetermined. I have Hold a... back on those strikes, will you? <laughs> My notes here. Um, someone in the crowd has uh, a sign. That's the Arby's logo, but it says Mickey James for some reason. Um, the referee is Drake Younger. There's a big LOL on that. Um, man, he was like Paul's hand-picked ref. Like, remember he yes, had he him was. ref the WrestleMania match. Yes. Like, again, we talk about some of these people sometimes. All you have to do is just not tweet. And like, with his yeah. case, it's just like, dude, whatever, believe whatever the fuck you want. But like, you had it made, dude. And now you know you get to. I'm a victim and all that shit because you just said some really Dumbest, repugnant yeah. shit that you shouldn't. Um, I loved. Low budget sounds cruel, but like, um, the small attempts they would make at takeovers to make the entrances pop. In this case, they gave like the front row of the crowd Asuka masks. So when she came yep. down, it was just like a sea of Asuka. It was really cool. Tremendous lockup, some really good grappling here and not like uh, we'll get to in the last two matches, the kind of it's not the Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, ECW. We get to a point where we like stand off. It's just like really solid back and forth wrestling and um, there's that leg capture German on the floor. That's really fantastic. Yeah. Mickey breaks out a fucking Moodle lock at one point and a thunderous neck breaker. She gets her in this neck breaker and it might've just been, they hit the right spot in the ring, but it just makes this fucking just boom, like this huge, like a boulder falling off a cliff. Um, very good. The interesting thing about this and pretty much every match Oscar had in NXT with the exception of that last match with Ember is it's a very good match at no point in time, though, does Asuka look like she's not in control or can't win it at any second, though. And that's not, like, in the Roman Reigns way of, like, we know who's going to win. It's more in, like, a character way of this person so good that, like, she may look like she's on the defense right now, but you know she can at any second, like, take this back over. Um, yeah, 
not a five-star classic by any means, but a really cool and uh, for the time creative idea of how to get a good marquee match out of your woman's champion who had beaten everybody. And again, just a testament to how polished of a fucking wrestler Mickey James is. Yeah, absolutely. The, this NXT TakeOver presentation was... This was so cool. This show's like two hours and 20 Based. minutes long. You know? <laughs> before every match, they show you like someone in the crowd. The, mo- the one before this match is Jim Ross. <laughs> Plays Pops huge for Jim Ross. And it's just like... <laughs> I don't know, man. This this shit was it was so just like stripped to its raw ingredients, you know. Like having, I just loved this time. I was gonna say, having been to that arena before, um, there's a steakhouse connected to it right outside. So right as Jr.'s like on camera ended, he just walked mm-hmm. and got a steak. <laughs> Give me some sure. baby back ribs. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, with this this is a very fun to remember, Chad. If you actually look at the lineup, like there's only one like actual great match on the show. It's the DIY match, like. Joe mm-hmm. and Shinsuke is good. This is good. Bob and Sean Spears is what you'd expect. Like, it's not a bad match, but it's not like a you know, like some sort of it. But there's a such a dramatic difference between this NXT and the one we got a couple of years later. I think it's so understated how different they are. It's, it's wild to me. Obviously, I prefer this one, clearly. But uh, nonetheless. Did Nakamura and Joe, were any of those matches really good? I can't remember. I like this one, this second one, quite a bit. Um the TV rematches are not totally convinced Joe was awake when he was wrestling those. <laughs> they worked one in Japan, and Joe's kind of like, I don't know. Joe in WWE was, and I think Oracle, I remember we talked about this a lot before he came to AEW. I think it's become increasingly clear that, like, the way you have to wrestle in WWE did not necessarily maximize what he can do as an old guy, right? Like, he's, he's kind of better Rock now, match. and he's, it's a hoot for sure, but like, he can be rougher now, obviously, because the AEW guys don't work house shows, right? So he can kind of like just whack guys and clobber them. And you can't do yeah. that when you're working three dates a week. So even though he's yeah. older now, I think he's kind of better now. It's weird. Having Samoa Joe work a nerve hold in a pay-per-view main event for five minutes wasn't a good idea. Oh, Roman backlash for eight. They're going uh, to come around any second now. That's what Pierce Hayes was saying <laughs> in Grilla. Gonna, give it time, fellas. Believe in it, you know. But uh, here we go. Bobby, what did you reckon, mate? Yeah, I thought this was great. It was actually, um, and I liked it a lot at the time, but it was even better than I remembered it. Uh, just had a great time with it. With something that really stood out was Mickey selling, just kind of making everything Oscar did look like it hurt quite a bit, which, I mean, it might have, honestly. Um, but, yeah, just a really nice match. And, again, a great concept where, you know, you can bring someone in for a one-off like that. I'm glad Alex brought that up because it's a really good point. And, uh, yeah, they delivered, man. It was awesome. I love to hear it. The Oracle of Wrestling. What did you make of this, man? I'm intrigued. Um, this was really good. This this held up. I remember at the time being like, not so much to the extreme that your brother was when you watched it with him. But I was like, Mickey and Oscar. I was like, okay, Mickey's good. You know, I was like, we'll see. And then like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is pretty good. Um, yeah, that that lock up the start was good stuff, man. That was that was uh, that yeah. was some good chain wrestling as uh. Alex pointed out. Um, I really liked all the one upsmanship stuff. Uh, just just because it, it it shows how charismatic Mickey can be, right? Because um, I mean, we we all know Oscar is like incredible in terms of just performing overall as like as a character and and, yes. and her facial expressions and stuff. But Mickey really kind of went toe to toe with her here. Um, you know the uh, you know letting each other into the ring and stuff like that. Um, 
this is this you know this match is interesting as Joe points out because it because it is Mickey kind of just like hitting a lot of her stuff, but I don't really blame it as much because it's like I I don't know the whole background. Maybe maybe she knew she was going to be there for you know permanently after that or whatever, but um, it was probably just like let Mickey hit her stuff, get pops, yeah. and then you know uh, Oscar put her away at the end. I also really appreciated that Mickey learned from the best of Finleys and Regals of the world is when you get put in a submission, you tap right away. Like you fight and fight and fight and try to, and try not to get, but once they lock that thing in within like two seconds, you tap because that's where that's like, that's, you know, it always bothers me. Like I always go back to it. Like when like, you know, Kurt Angle would put in the ankle lock, you know, for four and a half minutes, it's like, this is unbelievable. I have a friend who like he can't get past that in the Sean match at twenty one, and it ruins the whole match for him because Sean's in the ankle lock for like seven minutes. Rise me his name's Devin. (laughs) (laughs) And he does that thing where he takes his hand and he goes, "Eh," and then like stops it, and it's like, dude, come on. Yeah, I'm always torn on that. I I can excuse if I'm really into it. I can excuse it, but I definitely get the point. Absolutely. I will say I I did remember this being slightly better than I found it to be when I rewatched it. But that's not a criticism as much as just my memory of it. It's one of those deals where I was watching it. You have to judge a match on what it is, not what you what you think it should have been. I do think the match would have benefited from more of Asuka in control and Mickey selling because Mickey's such a good underneath babyface. And Asker is obviously, you know, her offense is spectacular. So I did think Mickey taking so much of it sacrificed. That's just a slight bit of quality. I mean, it's still really good. The work is really high level. When they're wrestling for position and they're hitting the mat and transitioning and the German suplex you mentioned earlier, like, it's uh, there's an awful lot to like here. It's a really good match. My memory was of it being even more, you know, impressive, but that's probably because you know, as we kind of talked about, like not knowing what Mickey had left in 2016, which is hilarious to say now, but it was true. Mickey hadn't had like a real run on TV for a couple of years at that point, right? She'd had her kid too. And I think that was like 2014. So she's, she's awesome here. Um, it's one of those it's deals worth, where I think, you know, it's a great performance much anything else. And it's worth mentioning to that end of like, because it's only six, seven years ago, but like them takeovers were, BFD man back when then they happened back then and yes. like Paul knew it and he knew that like there was a certain level of expectation with all of them so it shows how valued she is as a wrestler that they just could plug her into the co-main event of it and mm-hmm. I don't even know if they use the term co-main event UFC's rotted my brain but um you know somewhere there's a t-shirt that has Joe and uh, Nakamura on one side and Mickey and Oscar on the other one ridiculous talent for like makes no sense this was the nxt show but that's just where they were as a company like vince couldn't be trusted with any of these people so they're just playing in this bizarre awesome offshoot brand it's very strange Um, and then i did forget to mention too um tremendous character moment when the match is over when mickey tries to adhere to the code of honor and oscar just puts the belt in her face and laughs at her that's some pretty cold shit oh that's awesome and uh i guess like it's interesting too because uh, I'll, I'll wait. I'll <laughs> I concede the floor. You sure? Uh, no, I'll just go ahead and say it. Actually, yeah, because uh, we see this here in our next match. That was Oscar's main roster debut, and I kind of thumbed through that match and forgot that they had her go fucking fifty fifty with Emma 
on her first match in the company. And, it's uh, funny you mention that, Alex, because I was going to cite that uh, our next match has a higher cage match rating than Emma versus Asuka, hmm. which I <laughs> laughed out loud at. <laughs> um, okay, folks, let's get all cards on the table here. Uh, there's an elephant in the room. Um, Alexa works Mickey's hand for approximately 15 seconds in this match. She just works her arm for the most part. Um, I am not the only person who believed that to be the case. A gentleman who I believe went by the name of Kill Owens Kill on Cage Match gave it four and a quarter and complimented the handwork. I think it's really his fault, not mine. I did not give an official rating, and therefore I will suggest that I'm innocent for now. Um, okay, TLC 2017 is one of the most hilarious shows ever. The the infection that <laughs> Ray got scurvy us, and gave it to the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> that robbed us of Sister Abigail's in-ring debut. We have never Pumpkin gotten that. Valor. Factual. Um it meant that Kurt Angle was a member of the Shield, which produced some of the greatest memes in wrestling history. <laughs> when he comes out, okay, I gotta admit this. When he comes Go. out in the hallway, <laughs> I'll never forget. We had a we had a, a living room full of people. Okay, watching this thing. Kurt takes that bump to the ropes. We like our like emotions from like howl to like shock and horror. We're like, we're like he when he does when his head gets all yeah. <laughs> Fuck, uh, he seemed so oblivious in this run, didn't he? Good Lord. Bless his heart. Anyway. Um, also, because of that, did get a really good um, Ballard-AJ Styles match. Oh, yeah, that match is tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and this was not obviously affected. And so the setup for this was Alexa won a fatal five-way the month before. And then on Raw Talk, she said she cleaned out the division and uh, Mickey James was brought up and she said, uh, she's old. And they do this thing in the video package where every time that Alexa says that Mickey's old, they like do like a zoo, like as though she's saying like a slur. It's really, this is kind of bonkers, this video package, because it basically settles into Alexa calls Mickey old and then Mickey says biscuit butt. And that, unless I missed it, that was pretty much the depth of this program. I yep. think that's pretty much where they settled. Um, so that's where we're at. I mean, it's not exactly blessed with the most epic kind of pre-match towel. Um, but, you know, once they get in there, I mean, look, genuinely, all bits aside, I know I have a lot of fun, especially with this topic, but I, I think this match is, like, legitimately good. Um, not great. It's not, it's not trying to be great, but, like, I like this match. Um, this could go many which ways. Here we go, folks. Let's navigate this as best we can. I'm going to start with Oracle, who's chuckling. What, do you, what did you think of this? You know what? I remember watching this at the time, being like, "eh," but going back and watching it, I was like, "this is actually good." This, you know, this is fine. Like, I was surprised because I, I thought it was gonna like totally like suck and be awful, but it wasn't. It was, it was, it was, it was good. You know, Mickey, Mickey's a good baby face, and and she sells her uh, her arm yes. here really well. Not her hand. Kill, kill Owens, kill her arm. <laughs> um, and and <laughs> and uh, like she has, she has some you know decent. Uh, you know, you know, has a has a big comeback, gets some gets some decent near falls. Um, obviously, the crowd wasn't and totally invested enough into it because they started chanting "We yeah. want tables." And hopefully, I, I don't know, maybe maybe they're already setting up for the finish. But I, I always wonder if Mickey was like, "All right, let's let's take this home." There, you know, they're, what they're it is? it's it. the it's the spot where they're actually getting with it, and then they do that spot where like. Alexa bumps like eight minutes early on the drop kick, and like that, the people just completely switch off there. You know, yeah. it's like you yeah. notice it because before that they're like 
Because the biggest issue with this match, genuinely, is that Mickey was not prepared to be challenging for a belt at all. They just threw her out there, right? Like, she'd been right. losing on TV every week. Mm-hmm. And to make matters worse, Alexa was really popular as a heel. So it's like, they were struggling to get them. But they yeah. start getting them, and then they right at the like, end, they lose. It's a shame. Mickey, Mickey, like... Alexa's not terrible in this, but Nikki obviously holds it together. Alexa's problem during this run is that, like, she's too good. She, she's real. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I will say, great job uh, incorporating a promo into the match with the with the biscuit butt slap there. Um, but but anyway, anyways, uh, like Alexa is always. Been this fearful is deep in like, deep in full here, Oracle of Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we lost him. That's what he is. Am I back? Am I back? <laughs> yeah, you're right. back. You're back. So uh, Alexa doesn't. I wonder. I wonder if it's because I'm using uh, Microsoft Edge or whatever with my new laptop, and I need to get Google Chrome or something. You need to use uh, mostly been fun. You must Microsoft be fun. Microsoft Adam Copeland is what you need to use. True. <laughs> um, hide your wives. Uh, but, but, but um yeah alexa doesn't she's it's hard to believe her sometimes just because of the size of like her being yeah. in control even though occasionally she can do some decent detailed like limb work she doesn't bump and stooge well enough yeah and it always frustrates me um but but Mickey does hold this match together, and again, Alexa's fine in it. Like it's a good match. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was afraid it was going to be like I didn't think it was going to be terrible, but I was like, eh, this might not be that good. This ended up being good. Um, the post match is hokey. Like Mickey cuts a promo, and then like the she goes. My favorite part is you win some, you lose some. I burst out laughing when she said that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it. This honestly was a good match, and. And uh, it, it kind of shows that even when she kind of gets thrown in there, because Alexa had run through the division so much that year, that Mickey can still kind of hold a match together and, and get something good yeah. out of somebody who I was pretty critical of at the time. Um, so yeah, this was this was this was another uh, kind of shining shining match for her, just because it's it's an opponent that I don't love, but. Uh, kind of highlights how good of a baby face she can be even in sort of thrown together circumstances where a crowd ne- doesn't necessarily have interest coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you mentioned the, uh, <clears throat> the, the spot that inspired the greatest tweet in my history, my rich oh, history of tweets, so good. the, uh, the Joe Kobashi tribute spot to lead the match. Yeah. Um, Incorporating that promo, brother. bro. Alexis sells the spank. Like it's like, <laughs> Like it's like she over that was still chair. We need to um, match it's up so the audio. Awesome. We need to match up the audio from Joe Kabashi with the Alexa Mickey clip. Also, <laughs> it's so I also awesome. like the uh, the uh, Kevin Dunn zoom into Alexa's face after like, like so, it, you know. that is like it became a meme and it was exhausting. But like when Alexa would feed a comeback, you would see what you mentioned. Like she was never good at feeding those at all, and in a lot of ways. In ring, Alexa would be better as a babyface because she's so little, right? And the people mm-hmm. like her. But the one thing that she was genuinely great at was those like WWE Zoom facials, you know, like they, they loved that shit. She was very good at that. And uh, you get a hilarious one there. So there's some stuff to like here. Bobby, what did you make of this? Yeah, I was enjoying it quite a bit. You know, I, I was a 
upset that the crowd turned on it a little bit. I, I understood it, you know, with the spot that got messed up. Maybe they went a little bit too long. But overall, uh, not a bad match for, you know, the middle of a pay-per-view in 2017. Uh, I thought there was a lot of good stuff here. And Oracle laid a lot of it out nicely. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I had a good time with it. You know, it's nothing that I think you need to go out of your way to watch necessarily. But it's it's a nice little match. It's like one of those... Um... Ready, Oracle? Ready for this? It's like one of, you know when WCW had the international heavyweight title, <laughs> and like Barry Windham or Rick Rude work a nice little twelve minute match with the boss or Arn Anderson, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I saw him, man. You know, twelve minutes, some limb work, good old fashioned spanking spot, you know? DDT finish. It's the fundamentals, brother. This is the kind of thing that keeps the business moving. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just throwing it out there, folks. Alex, what did you think of this? A uh, couple notes. Uh, first of all, that aforementioned Shield match. Dean Ambrose, Kurt Angle, Seth Rollins defeated Braun Strowman, Cesaro, Kane, Sheamus, and The Miz 35-29. <laughs> Dave Meltzer's oh. rating? Four and a quarter. Oh. <laughs> Incredible. The old man, that's when we should have taken away his computer at that point. But um Alright, what do we got here, man? My note here <laughs> the performance center success story, Alexa Bliss. <laughs> I yep. still mean that and believe that. You can shove it. Um Yeah, I think Mickey was how old I am now during this match, and the thing was like, she's old. And uh Dude, Booker is insane on commentary in this match because Corey, Corey says something like, and Mickey's got a problem for some reason, and Book's like, you try being called old. And then uh, later in the match, he starts comparing uh, Mickey James to the Rock and Roll Express. He's like, you know, when I was younger, it was like the Rock and Roll Express. I wanted to test myself against them. What about when he says, like, he he does the complete opposite of the usual psychology, and he, he explains that if it's a straight-up fist fight, Alex will win. <laughs> <laughs> She's the heel, brother. She's five foot tall. Anyway, carry on, Alex. <laughs> Uh, I guess this is the match where I want to put over Mickey James. Like she just snaps off her offense and like, all right. She, first of all, was clearly not trained in the WWE system because they're women. The collar and elbow is always hop, skip and a jump. You got to kind of go into it the way they, their women lock up. Alexa has the Bart Simpson arms here though. She kind of winds up into the lock, lock up, but, uh, He's gonna be big, man. He's gonna be big, you know. He's gonna be big. He's gonna be big. So Mickey, like, her selling and just all right. So my takeaway from a lot of modern wrestlers, and this isn't just women's wrestlers. This is just kind of what they do. They have um, modern wrestlers basically have like three cells. Um, I'm surprised. Uh, Ow, that hurts. Or, like, you know, uh, I'm hulking up. I'm mad. And, like, Mickey is an example of someone who, as we've been talking about through this, is just a great performer for, like, a throwback type thing. Like, I specifically made it a point in this match of watching her face throughout the entire thing. And it's, like, it goes from I'm fucking with you to, all right, now I'm not wrestling you to frustration to okay i gotta get this back in my favor and it's just like you know 
Uh, it really feels like a lot of wrestlers are, approach and are trained now with like every match is three acts. There's the first act where, you know, um, you exchange and you're respectful. And then there's the second act where it's just crazy, you know, back and forth. And, you know, it's uh, who can get the better of the other one. And then the last is just like we kick out of each other's finishers until something happens. And that whole time, you know, we're all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's just kind of it's repetitive and nothing sticks out. And because of that, also, nothing seems engaging and like um, uh, authentic. It's I'm not telling any tales here. Gunther is probably the best wrestler in the WWE right now. And part of that is because he treats every match differently. And also you can tell on his face, like where he's at in the match. And uh, it's Did you see the Gable match last night is just good. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't yeah. either, but I believe it. I mean, it's those guys and it's just Mickey's great here. You know, even little things like shaking out the arm or the hand or whatever, yeah. when you get, get a moment away and like, uh, that's, I posted that clip not long ago from like raw homecoming where Pat Patterson, punches rob conway and it's better than any punch you'll see today he punches him and then he kind of grabs his hand because he's like an old man and like oh that hurt it's um you know i say it's not difficult but then you watch someone like mickey james like really just get cooking in a seven minute in your house match like this and it's like yeah it is difficult because you have to think about all the different uh facets and you know it's like a fucking you're weaving a blanket here pretty much is what's happening and um her selling is just fantastic too. There's different degrees of selling. There's like that's inconvenient, that hurts. I'm fucking dead. It's not just all like ah, you know. Uh, Cornette said about Gargano one time. He has the uh, I'm dead face or I'm happy face. Like uh, you know, it's it, it and that's kind of emblematic or not emblematic, but I think that summarizes a lot of um, my issues with some of the shit today uh good striking exchange that goes a little bit modern when they do the they run into each other with the two kicks um mickey just busts out a really good looking o'connor roll out of nowhere that alexa really rolls with well there's a fan opposite hard cam who has a bright red afro and he looks so bored it's just this one shot of him that he's just sitting there like with his glasses on and he's got this fucking ronald mcdonald afro going on it's it was something so weird i had to take note of it um <laughs> then then uh of course the heel wins that's you know lol vince oh is so dumb, control. It's so uh, dumb. and was, it carries on too she beats her again after this it's like why we talked about it earlier and i posted it on twitter mickey james who you know i, I don't want to boil this down to base level like attractiveness because that's not what it's about but like objectively is one of the most naturally beautiful women that's ever been in wrestling and they did a storyline where she was fat and then did a storyline where she was old. And it's just like, she's also like 36 here. That's what I'm saying. Like, I will say this once, but Mm -hmm. how can you get hotter every year? Yeah. Well, I'm trying my best. (laughs) She's, she's impressive in that way. And like, and I mean that genuinely too. And it's, you know, yeah. Part of the deal being on TV is you wear makeup and shit. But like, I remember a couple years ago when she, when Mickey was doing like, um, the cameos she would just do them without makeup on and people were like blown away at how like beautiful she was like without makeup it's like yeah she's a very very beautiful person and so like it it has to be what we kind of were made allusion to earlier vince hates southern people and then also you know i imagine Cornette really liked her and talked her up so we gotta the the Mm -hmm. fat thing though just 
you know, that's awful. Yeah. It just doesn't really make any sense too, especially even at that point in time was when they were still like, Oh, little kids love our show. And it's like, what kind of message are you sending to little kids that of all the shit you guys do? It's one of the most dangerous things you can say is this incredibly athletic woman is fat. And what does that lead people to believe? Anyway, uh, fun little match. And, uh, you know, I don't watch every match like I do taking notes for when we do this shit. So, like, if I just kind of watch this on a random Tuesday, I'm not saying I get the same stuff away from it, but since I'm, like, zoned in on her, like, what she's doing and how she's wrestling and shit, like, took a lot away from it of just how solid she is. And comparatively mm-hmm. speaking to uh, a lot of wrestlers of today, I remember reading when she had that match with Alley Cat that it was a bit disastrous, and that didn't surprise me at all uh, because, like, it's... You gotta, you, you can't keep up with like fucking uh, Leo DiCaprio if you're a community theater expert. So oh. it's um, wow, it's More just there. different different levels to this shit. And she exceeds and excels, excuse me, in a way that is not taught anymore. And it yeah. seems like my main takeaway from this, I should say, is my god, how invaluable she could be as a trainer at their performance center if they wanted that. But also, you know, they had Chris Hero there who tried to teach people and he got in trouble for it. So it's like they, they don't want to teach people how to do what a Mickey James or a Chris Hero can do. They want to, I don't know what they want to teach him, but it's not that. But if I, if tomorrow Tony Khan handed me the keys to the kingdom or something, she'd be one of the first people I got and said, hey. Don't take him, brother. Give him back. <laughs> All right. Let me rephrase that. If I want a million dollars more than that i need like a billion dollars but if i had a <laughs> wrestling company and i was starting a training school chris hero and mickey james would be two of the first people i had there to train i love it um to your point selling mickey does that thing too that's way on under, like underutilized now where she like frames her arm differently and puts she changes her stance so that her arms further away and like that that's the best part of the match by far her saying alexa stuff on the arm is good too when they get into the back and forth moves it's like you know it's like whatever um M- mickey also has stuff was really good genuinely up until like the final stanza of what we're doing sean i can be complimentary of sean she has that kip up that isn't pretty and you don't know if she's going to hit it every time she does it and it's like it makes it that like she's tired but she's still trying to fire herself up and that was you know sean in his heyday in like 95 96 the way he would kip up was that same way he would go like look dead and then come up and so um what we're saying here, it's funny, I just went on about how beautiful she is, but not everything she does is pretty, and that's one of the biggest problems with wrestling today, in my opinion, is everyone obsesses with making everything look so fucking pretty. I agree. Has to be, everything has to be flawless. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So everything has to be super smooth, right? Um, this did stand out. Like, this... You know, I've often <laughs> said that Alexa was a great heel in a version of WWE that refused to have baby faces. And it was like this disastrous combination because she would just be used as like Vince's voice. <laughs> she would just cut down all these baby faces and beat them. This is not the worst example, but this is a pretty bad one. Like I don't get. She's the one who beat Bailey in San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> then she did the deal with Sash, where she said, "You know, you can't defend the belt," and like that was her role at the time. And it's just it's puzzling to me, and like I, I'm sure there are reasons and stuff, but. Watching this match, it's like the people like her. She their their hesitation to flip her the other way is fascinating. They took so long to do it. Because do you remember when she was hurt? She was like 
a tweener, how weird that shit was when she was the yeah, talk show host. Her, and she was yep. doing her stupid, oh, God, oh, they had God. her in a talk show. The talk show thing in WWE, God, oh, man, why? And do you remember <laughs> they only once, like, they only once actually let it do, like, a promo? Because remember the one with Bailey that people liked? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like a famous one where Bailey cuts like a first like big promo. And it was like, yeah, the talk show is supposed to just be a chance for people to cut promos. It's not supposed to be like a fucking set piece where you do like romance and <laughs> you do like a soap opera, you know? But anyway, that's another that's a different one. The cutting edge, the peep show, the Carlitos Cabana. Cabana, that was it. Like, you know, I was like, what? Like, why did it the take them so really long to do that? Every damn week on Raw for. Yep. Well, Highlight Reel um, 2 is one of those things that, you know, I'm sure Jericho would tell you is a rousing success. Revolutionary, yeah, absolutely. Revolutionary, um, that's it, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that at all. Watching this back, it was even more, like, bizarre to me. Because you have someone who's, like, popular and is working a heat segment. It's like, that's WWE, you know, I don't know. It makes it harder for the baby face. But, um, but nonetheless, I like the match. Mickey has a great performance in it. It's a shame that not only she lost the few, but she then went back to being Alexa's partner without any explanation or reason. Um, you win some, you lose some. You do, yeah. And then she was part of the... Because Alexa's next program was doing the stuff with Nia, and Mickey was part of that. It's like, get a clue. Oh, my uh, God, yes. That was uh, Alexa bullied Nia, right, for being fat yeah. or whatever. And then yeah. they went 50-50 at WrestleMania. Oh yeah. So I'm, I just don't. I don't. I don't get these people. You know, I just don't understand it. I, I honestly, I, I I put this on the lineup and popped myself huge, and I like the match. But I spent most of it unable to even watch the match because I was just watching it. Thinking, what is wrong with this company? They're like they were so warped. You know, it's like it's um. You don't have to travel very far. You know, the night after that Oscar match we were just talking about, that was um when Brock beat. Uh, or excuse me, when Goldberg beat Brock in like a minute and like everyone lost their mind and it's just like I guess the moral of that story is they do know what to do but you have to have enough like pull for them to let you do it and like in a case like Mickey James or Alexa Bliss they're just dance damn it It's, it's it's a really strange time and like the WrestleMania after this, Bailey and, and Sasha are in like the Battle Royal to do the Nia Jax coronation. It's like Sasha was on the dark match of the show. I, I have the card pulled up. She went ten minutes with Alicia Fox on the dark match. Oh, and that was when she was doing like the Noam Dar stuff, I think, wasn't it? That, that might have been before actually, Oracle. When oh, was God, that? God, I forgot when they were in cor- the late spring of seventeen, early summer. Okay. When they tried to incorporate the women into two oh five live. So what did and who did Lex work with? Saved it. Of course, yeah. Best worker twenty eighteen. Who did Alexa work with between this and Nia? She wrestled she? Charlotte at Survivor Series twenty seventeen. Who? Okay. Charlotte. Clash of the Titans. That's another classic I, one. Like, I was at that show and oh, I was yeah. like, huh? Uh that was that probably- again <laughs> and perfect example of what we're talking about, where they had Alexa work a ten minute heat segment over Charlotte, who is legitimately a foot taller than her. It's like Getting this the wrong way around, fellas. You know, like <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, the chamber too, right? Anyway, we'll get to this on the Alexa Green Grappler, folks. I apologise, but Mickey James is awesome in this match. Seriously, it's, yeah, if we, it's a yeah. good, it's a good wrestling match. If and when the Alexa Green Grappler comes, we have to do the Alexa and Nikki Cross versus Iconics match from SummerSlam 2019, 
that everyone got really mad about because uh, Alexa wore Buzz Lightyear gear and did a spot where she like shot a laser at one of the iconics. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know. Everyone, people in the company got mad about that. I think they thought they were doing like Mid South or something. You know who didn't get mad? Me in the upper deck drinking a Molson's. I was just like, hell yeah. It was a pre show match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking like who was it? Like you know, P.S. Hayes and Gorilla. Like, oh god damn it, Vance! Not taking the, not taking the <laughs> business seriously, you know. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, speaking of Nikki Cross, I'm gonna, Matt confirmed shooting. I was talking about Starcade. WWF Starcade. Like she's like one of the weirdest things they've ever done when they just made Starcade like an annual network event. And we were trying to figure out what were the good things on Starcade. And I was reminded of the Fatal Four Way uh, tag match. Oh, I promise, yeah. folks. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up for any moment now. Okay, here we go. This is incredible. This is the match. Fatal Four Way tag. We have Asuka and EO. No, my bad, my bad, my bad. EO's not around. It was Asuka and Kyrie, right? I'm trying to find the picture. Wow. I can't find it. Wow. Asuka, was it was it Kabuki Warriors? Yes. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. She's coming back, you know, at least. Oh, I've I've heard such things. Yeah, yeah. It was it was okay. I've got the graphic. I've got the graphic, and it's the graphics very funny. Asuka and Kyrie, Alexa and Nikki, Becky and Charlotte, Bailey and Sasha. Nikki Cross being in that match is the greatest thing that ever happened in history of the sport. That's awesome. That's like amazing. That lineup is fucking ridiculous. That was a stockade. No. So, all right. You the year that. before 2018, uh, WF Starcade. In Cincinnati, Ohio, I assume yes, she was at that one. He was, yeah. yeah, he was at that one. Okay, Bailey, Dana Brooke, Ember Moon, and Sasha defeated Alicia Fox, Mickey James, Nia Jackson, Tamina. They can't all be winners. You know what I mean? Well, my bigger question is then: Did Mickey James work Starcade? Do we count that? Yes, absolutely. So I count it with James. The, I count with Alexa, absolutely. Mickey James has worked Final Battle, Starcade, Triple Mania. Bound for Glory and WrestleMania. There you go. Yep. I think the only person who's got his beats, Jeff Jarrett, because Jeff worked at Wrestle Kingdom. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> Saying that, though, Jeff hasn't worked Final Battle, right? So. Oh, Speaking of Mickey James. Always uh, this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of that squash you had with Ronda that was awesome, where like Mickey just bumped around for her and took like crazy, oh, like, yeah. crazy, yeah. like, uh, <clears throat> hip toss whips and like arm whips and shit. That she bumped like amazingly for. That match had that like was, I think that was July of eighteen or August of eighteen on Raw. That match also had very slight Regal Goldberg vibes because Ronda looked cut, slightly confused what was yep. happening at times, which is yes. which is real grabs. Um, uh, I love it. Isn't it funny how <laughs> because of what's happened over the past two years, year and a half, uh, Ronda Rousey had like. Arguably Who? the best rookie year ever in wrestling, Ronda, and like just no one will remember it now because it's just been so bad. The past she had a hell of a lost match. So anyway, other hits for Act Two. Uh, I don't remember the match if it was good or not, but Mickey probably took the best like eclipse ever from Ember. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Becky Lynch match is pretty good from the Elimination Chamber twenty seventeen. That was like either that or the Alexa match for the second match. Um, it was her in the Thunderdome that had that just fucking abysmal match with Asuka where she just stopped yes, selling was. in the finish and like motion to the ref, right? Yeah, mm. that was unfortunate. She had a real rough run in, yeah. in the Thunderdome, which... We all fair. did. <laughs> yeah, fair. 
we can relate. Um, unfortunately, she didn't get many chances to do real matches in this run. I mean, she's awesome in the chamber. She's in it for like five minutes and dives off the top of the pod. Yeah. Because the, the bit there was Alexa like recruited her to help her and then she's out before Alexa even gets in because, again, you know, Mickey can't be treated as any kind of important player. So. Yeah, I'm not off base with what I said, right? They had Mickey James there, and she could have helped their women's roster dramatically, and they just chose. Not. Okay, oh, but yeah. like she should have been even just on screen, like she should have been doing so much more. You know, it's so puzzling. Oh yeah, me. especially once they got the tag division rolling. It's like she's like the perfect candidate to give like a younger it's, partner it's, and let them. The perfect run. time to talk about it, as Willie mentions. Uh, oh, the trash bag incident. Yeah. Got oh, Mark yes. Carano fired, so it was worth it. Yep. Yeah, uh, I remember he was, that. He was, he, was, he was even a scumbag on those Toto Divas episodes. Remember? Uh, yeah. I forgot right. about that too, man. No yeah. wonder she. Good. I'm glad she got to fucking come out as the TNA champion at the Royal Rumble. They they called Hell her yeah. fat, old, and sent her shit in a trash bag <laughs> to her. Fuck them, man. Yeah. It's so puzzling because her reputation in the industry is like pristine, <laughs> and everyone who works for her likes her, but they just as a company seem to hate her. It's like. It's really odd. I don't know. I don't know the deal. Um, it's, it, yeah. it's honestly, that's. It's not odd uh, at all, I suppose. It's exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> well, it's just Vince is a psychotic person. And like, I'm sure yeah. she, she put a, the wrong kind of like sugar in her coffee the first time you met her and he just hated her forever. Cause we know Vince is like a weirdo like that. It so. is that random. Genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah so the, um, the rumble thing's worth the call out. Cause that's, you know, we talk about those NXT shows and how weird some of them are on paper. We were talking on a, the episode that does not exist about just how loaded like the Bola lineups mm. used to be and how like weird that is. But like wrestling just moves so fast now, it's fast and slow. But like people just forget it's the Twitter generation, you know, it's yeah. that was five minutes ago. So people forget she was a mm. TNA champion and came out with the TNA belt to her TNA theme in the Royal Rumble. That was yep. weird, man. That was like pretty cool, pretty damn yeah, cool. very cool and something that. That's a, that's a feather in her cap. No one else has ever done that. Mm-hmm. I assume no one else ever will either. I mean, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't know. Eric Young's going to be kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah, we will. Um, any other matches from the secondary V run? That's about it, right? She didn't get a lot of chances to wrestle real matches. Yeah, not really. She was in a lot of tags in like 2018. There, where she, where, where she looked pretty good. But like, I mean, I mean, there's Is she in the uh, battle royals at WrestleMania. She is. She, she was in the, the one last I was one. At, I think, she was we in were 35, the WrestleMania 35 battle roll. She she takes a hellacious beating from Nia before the New Orleans match with Alexa. Remember, she takes like an absolute fucking. Oh, she just gets the shit kicked out before the bell. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She tried her best, folks. That's the best way to sum up back too. <laughs> All right, we jump ahead here. Um, what was like five years removed from the last match, the Alexa match to Act Three, and. You know, the kind of rebuild post-WWE. She did some stuff in NWA. In Impact, she won the knockout title in October 2021 at Bound for Glory. She defeated Deonna Perrazzo. Then the following January, she main evented Hard to Kill with Deonna, and that was the month she did the Rumble spot. So that's all before our last two matches here. Um, and then she lost a match to Chelsea Green, and she did a pre-take where she was walking out the building and said, I'm, I'm going home and I'm not, you know, I'm done, basically. Um which set up this last rodeo angle, which is like, and I want to be very, look, TNA is what it is at this point. No one really watches, but many people who are not the freaks and like everything they do is good have said to me, this angle was awesome. 
because it gave she had a good match on TV almost every week. She wrestled like their whole roster basically. And we've got a couple of matches from that. The last one being the kind of the conclusion to that story. Um, now, here we go. Diona Peraza. Yes. I, real quick, because I was scrolling through Impact Plus, and one of them said Mia Yim. Did she work for Impact yeah. real quick when she was gone? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was. She was there alongside Gallows and Anderson, ironically. Before she, now she's with them in the OC, right? So, um, she actually played that perfectly because she didn't sign a deal. She signed a six-month deal, I think. Nailed it. Beautiful. Um, they had a good match, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. So, Diona Prado has her first match. This is the December 1st edition of Impact TV. Um, the deal with the last rodeo thing is if she loses, she has to retire. Now, I like Diona Prado a lot. I, I think she's a very good professional wrestler. I did not think this was the best encapsulation of that. Not that it's bad, but brother... They may as well be working in an empty building for most of this. I mean, this is yeah. this is a really tough atmosphere to do TV. I mean, it's it's so quiet. I mean, the second match actually has a pretty good atmosphere. It's a pay-per-view crowd, and it's not a mm-hmm. big crowd, but they're into it. I felt bad for them this. They go about 15 minutes. <laughs> they barely get to make any noise for the first 10. It's uh, it's quite the ride. Bobby, what did you make of the honor and Mickey? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like, I didn't really care for it that much. Um I thought the ring was just super loud, but it was just no one was making any noise. Um, it just, yeah, it didn't work, man. It was missing something. Like, well, yeah, I um, I like, I like the angle from kind of what I was piecing together. It kind of seemed like uh, like a better version of what they tried to do with Flair leading up to WrestleMania 24. Um, oh my god! And uh, yeah, this just didn't work, and it's it's unfortunate. And uh, I got mad at Cage Match again because it was the second best match of her career, apparently, and it wasn't even the second best match of the six that we watched. So I thought it was the worst match we did, honestly. And I, and I, again, I liked Dion. I did not think this was particularly good. I, I mm-hmm. think Dion is tremendous, but it's yeah. what it is. I mean, no, I'm with you. Yeah, um, this was a case of like a modern match going long and people just being like, "Yes, four stars," you know. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot here. There's not a lot of meat on the bone here, Oracle. What did you think? Yeah. Um... It's funny. I watched it just last night, and like I remember thinking it was like solid, but like that's it. Right? The yeah. one match I don't really remember anything from of like the six. Yeah. Like it's it's a uh, that's weird because like I was like shouting over my AC unit, and then all of a sudden it went off, and now I can hear myself shouting. Um. Anyways. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyways, this, this was this was oh, fine. God. Um, I've seen I've seen be- uh, 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 better Diana matches and yeah. better Diana. That's how <laughs> I almost said that. Um, but yeah, it was it was just kind of there. A terrible atmosphere, like you said. Oh. Um, you know, some of the back and forth was okay at the end. Mickey pulled out the win, but um, this was this was probably the least match of all of them, or 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 at least it was least memorable. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's not the work's bad. It's just it has no juice as like a piece yeah. of entertainment because of the atmosphere and uh, there is some nice. I mean, Diana hits a brainbuster out of nowhere at one point, which did pop that, me. That um, yeah, she she's a really good wrestler. Like her cut off here is like the Samoa Joe back elbow. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's pretty sweet. Like you don't see that a lot now, right? Like, um, there's there's some stuff to like. It just didn't. And to be honest, I've seen their other matches. I don't think they were a great pairing for one another weirdly they never seem to have quite crack it in their free matches that i saw um i don't know maybe i'm wrong uh, alex what did you think of this one mate 
Is this Deanna gal? Was she one of the people? I remember the other three. It was Tessa, Chelsea, and um, I guess I don't remember. Was she in that four-way at all in? Um, Britt was in it and Madison Rain was in it, I think. Okay, Britt was the one I was thinking of. Okay. Madison Rain was in it, right? I think. That, I think sure. she was. Bob, check research this first, Bob. Go, Carol, next, Carol. I was just, I felt like I had seen her somewhere before. Okay. She had like a cup of coffee in WWE, right? Yeah, she was around in WWE, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Britt, Madison, Tessa, and Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. All right, well. Did you see we're getting the finally physical release of All In? Really? The whole thing? Well, that's the thing. The cover has like a criterion quality of just like the arena because they can't show half of the people that were on that show. Yeah, I want to edit some of that. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, I'm going to be interested to see how that it turns will be, out. It will be interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, so the, I, I'm not doing a bit. I, this is the first TNA match I've watched in literally as long as I can remember. I didn't even like tune in when Kenny was doing shit there. It's... um. They're, they're they shoot their show and like they try to present it like it's AEW or WWE and like I don't get it. They'd yeah. honestly they'd be better suited like shooting like GCW does with like a handheld that kind of just like feels more like gorilla style and more just kind of like in your face. Get rid of the stage too, bro. There's no need for a stage when you have that few people in, in there. You in know, this match in particular, they're doing like the Kevin Dunn cam- camera cuts and it's just like, dude, this. Not a good look, man. And Bob brought it up. The first bump, I think it's like a snapmare. The ring. <laughs> it was just like, Jesus Christ, does. dude. Yeah. It's like the, was it like 97, like barely legal ECW pay-per-view. The, that is the most mic'd a ring has ever been until this match. Uh, Joe stole my thunder. I was going to say that Mickey and Deanna hop on a plane first class and fly to the Tokyo Dome for that brain buster. It's, uh, it's a hell of a one. Um, this does have what I was talking about earlier, that RVD, Jerry Lynn, counter, counter, counter standoff. And it's just kind of like, dude, yeah. we're, we're so far past that in wrestling that it, again, in my opinion, that's not what we should be really concerning ourselves with. Um, the one thing that's fun about this match that I did take, this is when I mentioned that there's a sequence in this where Mickey's just moving too fast and Deanna, you know, that's not Deanna's bag. Yeah. She's yeah. very like. There's matches of hers you did pop, you know, because she is very, like, very technical, yeah. Like, I was surprised. She doesn't really work her finish, that is. submission hold, like the double shoulder yeah, lock, that's awesome. She's, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's also really good. This, this didn't highlight her strengths very much, but it's what it is. Um, oh, and she does, like, this was not a good showing for her for me, because she does the one thing that I, like, I will immediately write you up for, uh, write you off for, I should say. She takes an offensive maneuver and slaps her own leg to sell it. And I was just like, all right, this is uh, we're, we've lost the point of the plot here. But positively speaking about our subject du jour, Mickey James, this is the one. It's kind of fun because uh, there's a bunch of like it's a, a cosmic gumbo. It's a jambalaya of all the spots we saw in the four matches leading up to this. You know, the yes. single leg crab, that boot she does, the, the splits. And, um yeah, it's it's enjoyable. It's just um, the cool submission hold. I like Deanna's finisher. And then the, the veteran pin I really liked, how she pulls the tights and then kind of has that shitting grin on her face when she does it. Um, uh, my other point about these, I'll, I'll wait until the next match. But it, it was fine. And it's, um, you know, 
this is on the better side of 20 years removed from that Trish match we talked about yeah. an hour or so ago. And uh, she's she still is in there moving like, and, and, you know, that's part of the deal also of having just an old school style uh, where you're not falling on your head constantly or, um, you know, not doing Foley, crazy Foley shit. And so it's she just polished and good and can keep up what she's doing. Um, that was someone was talking about like Kota Ibushi's washed. Can you believe it? I was like, that dude's just all he's been doing is falling on his head for 20 years. Yes, of course I can believe it. So if you're just wrestling it, hey, I'd come out and do shitty punches in a cage match too if I could, you know, get paid for it. <laughs> I, I mean, I still like him, but that's the whole argument. It's like you see people talk about that, and no one's saying Mickey James is washed. She might have slowed down a tick, but she ain't washed. Absolutely. I do, I do know she. She just came back from the injury that ended this knockout title reigns. Hopefully, she, she's working London this weekend. When, uh, when's so. uh, her hubby going to get her back in the Fed? Well, we shall see. He's He's got to get himself through the ropes first. He's operating as an agent right now, which is cool and all, but he's 36. There's no way he, you know, he must want to work, right? He has to Ooh, he's the, the younger one in the relationship. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I was watching that collision on Saturday. Like, man, I don't know why people bullied me about this. Aldis would be better than most of these. But anyway, am I wrong, wrong Oracle? Come on, I mean. Oh. We'll do oh, it That middle lady. Oh, that middle lady. Oh, brother. Oh, show, brother. All right, here we go. Um, it's, it's a nice match. It's not. It, it's kind of ridiculous the way it's rated, but that's not their fault. So whatever. Um. Okay, last match, Jordan Grace, hard to kill. That's, this is the main event of the pipe. Hmm? I was just going to say, there's a, a whole subsection of human beings that hate Kenny Omega just because of the way his matches are rated, and that's not his fault. So, yeah, you're exactly Absolutely. right. Um, hard to kill main event. This was the second straight year she closed this pay-per-view for them, which is genuinely cool. She has the uh, the Native American entrance here, too. Uh-huh. Tara is in the crowd, which is yep. a nice kind of little... You know, green grappler connect tissue there, and she's weeping and yelling the whole match, which is very funny. <laughs> There's a much better crowd with this, and there is genuine gravity because I do think you could talk yourself into this being her last match. The TV is obviously building to say the last match ends with Jordan coming out, right? So, like, mm-hmm. when it's a title match, you can talk yourself, and the people there is a genuine sense of like anxious energy in the building, and it, it's, it's good stuff. I, I found this to be quite moving, even though I had some issues with the wrestling match itself. With that being said. Genuinely, I do think we had to do this match. This is like Mickey's happy ending, right? Like the, mm-hmm. after the match, her family gets in the ring. It's a cool moment, man. Like it's it's, it's nice to see. Um, as a match, it's interesting, and I like a lot of it, but it has some issues for me personally. I'll start with you, Bobby. What did you make of uh, Jordan Grace and Mickey James? Yeah, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I think the environment really did add to it. Um, they kind of kept it simple for the most part, just kind of underdog, babyface, monster heel sort of stuff. And it worked for me for the most part. A couple of the false finishes are really good. There was a part at the end where Mickey clearly tapped and they had to kind of cover for yeah. it, which that was a little strange. But like, and then I did kind of like the finish kind of felt like it was out of desperation. Like she didn't have anything left. She had to do that. And then if it didn't work, she was just kind of screwed. So I like that part. Um, yeah, overall, it was entertaining. There's some really good stuff in here. The the sequence where Mickey's upset that she's being like kind of shrugged off by Jordan and she throws those slaps and Jordan throws one and she takes a face she like lands on her face as a face yeah. plant cell. Like 
that was sweet. I like that. There's some really good stuff in the first act, like the power moves of Jordan Grace and the way Mickey kind of sells and registers those. I liked a lot. Alex, what did you uh, what did you make of this? Uh, yeah, my first note was like this main evented. That's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't notice too, uh, Joe. That logo they have for the show that hard to kill and that mm-hmm. they got mm-hmm. the Friday the Thirteenth logo mm-hmm. below it. Victor Miller saw that shit and he was just like, cease and desist, motherfucker. That dude will <laughs> cut you off any chance he gets. Absolutely. Um, all right, what do we got here? Jordan Grace from Elgin, Texas. About a 30-minute drive from Austin. That's where my parents live. But uh, she now is being billed from Austin, Texas. And it's like, man, no. Elgin's got good barbecue. They got a fucking fantastic flea market. What are you doing? Come on. Come up to it. <laughs> Um, what do we got here? I did pop for Mickey James doing old school. Ooh, I did. I like pumped my fist and audibly reacted when Mickey had a counter for Jordan Grace's counter to her DDT, where she yes. countered it in the guillotine. I thought that was fantastic. Um, no one should ever kick out of the jackhammer. Uh, there was a really good small package counter. I laughed to myself when they were calling Jordan Grace the juggernaut, and I remembered like that two-month window when they tried to get Roman Reigns over as the juggernaut when they were, you know, in year three of his failed babyface push. Uh, The selling in the choke at the end is phenomenal, where Mickey's like, you know, it looks like her eyes are going to, like, almost pop out, but she's also, like, dead-faced and just kind of like, you know, it makes it seem as though all of her energy is going into trying to save herself. And, you know, you've ever seen someone in the ufc get choked out unconscious for real that's basically what their face does it just fucking drains and loses all emotion uh okay so my bigger point of contention with these last two and a lot of women's matches in general today um i'm gonna like workshop my thoughts on this aloud so just i'll get to the point eventually um and we've seen this in the matches we've talked about so far women's wrestling can offer something unique and different to what the men's matches can and I'm not talking about, you know, Russo style or brawn panties, that type of shit. When, you know, even taking away like the sexualization and like the, you know, the, the spot from that Trish Mickey match, that's an interesting match. And it's interesting from the perspective of two women having it, that Tara and Mickey James match is an interesting brawl. And it's interesting because it's two women trying to beat the shit out of each other. The cycle we've gotten into now, and it's not just I'm trying to say that women are trying to be like the men. It's just every match is exactly the same. Right. And I feel in that like this, I was watching this. And basically, Jordan Grace is just like doing what Roman Reigns does and just like conquers somebody and kind of talks shit standing over him, that type of thing. And trust me, there's plenty of space also in wrestling for like the, the giant monster woman that destroys people in matches. But like. You know, the high spots and the standoffs and the shit like there's no separation and uniqueness to these matches versus I'm sure anything else that happened on the show with I don't know who's in TNA, but let's the main event match template has become like, yeah, like universal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at like. uh, Everyone always talks about uh, Bailey and Sasha, and of course, understandably so, because that was like on a really big scale, but. That matches just a bunch of tribute spots to like Rey Mysterio and shit they like. I always go to Sasha and Becky from the takeover. I think that was before. That match that. is great. Yeah. It's an excellent match and it's an excellent women's match because they 
do things that are unique to women wrestling as opposed to just trying to replicate what the dudes do. And I think the, I'm not going to say it's, uh, we watch like a thing devolve or anything, but it's, it's just kind of interesting to see. I, I, I think the fans still would want to see something like Tara and Mickey or Mickey and Trish versus just like, Oh, work rate. Oh, kick out. And I don't mean to like that triple threat at SummerSlam. Like, what was that? That that's just like, right. and it's coming from a place of those gals and the people putting the match together, thinking that that's what the fans want to see is just high spot and ooh creative finish ingenuity. What if you did this? What if you small package counter out of this? And it's just kind of like. It's a pendulum and it's cyclical. Uh, so I'm assuming we're going to get back to a point where there is, does begin to be a differentiation between women's matches and guys' matches just from like a plain narrative standpoint. Because obviously aesthetically and all that, they, they are different. But it just seems like everyone's telling the same story. And I feel like there's something that kind of gets lost in that that is available and it's right there. Um. Mickey still offered enough of that here that it, it, her performance singularly does seem different. And, you know, Jordan Grace, she wrestles just as many intergender matches as she does. So I, I don't know what she thinks is what fans want to see and what's supposed to work. I just know that I watch something like this and I'm like, you guys could probably do something different that's better and yeah. kind of separate yourself. I, think I know it's like, like a, it's, it's interesting because I don't think it's a woman's wrestling thing so much as it's, that's just like, kind of where we're at with wrestling now. Oracle and I talk about it a lot. Like the the overlap in content and concept when it comes to a big match now. Very yeah. seldom do things step up, stand out in that regard, you know? Yeah, and, and that that's definitely right. Everything's just so uniform. But like, yeah. you know, and it's inherently going to be this way. If Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins had a match where they just pulled each other's hair the whole time or like did that and kind of had to be broken apart. People are gonna be like, what the fuck was that? And I don't think it's like inappropriate to say that uh, as a female performer, you do have some, you can do some different things. You can sell different, right, no, I agree, yeah. implement different things that, you know, the, the gentleman can't, and that's not a bad thing. You know, I know the whole point of the women's revolution and whatnot was that the women need to be equal to men. I'm f- fine with that you know we've had in the past when did that start 16 six or seven years yeah. it's probably been 50 50 in the wf as far as like great matches from you know what gender you want to pick or whatnot but it's um that doesn't mean they have to both be uniform and right. i think that you know there are quirks that women's wrestling allows and vice versa that can exactly. be utilized i get it yeah yeah and so i watch something like this and it's like i understand what the the intended goal is here and uh it's just like i'd like to see a little bit more diversity or things mixed up a little bit not to say i dislike this match or anything jordan grace is kind of whatever with me it's um (laughs) she uh, bob i'm surprised you didn't bring up that you got her to donate five grand to charity so uh that's true 
honestly, that's her enduring legacy with me. But I'm uh, sorry, that that was just like a, a thread of a thought. So I allow, I thank y'all for allowing me to kind of talk out my feelings on that there. But it's just kind of one of the things I took away from watching this. But I did enjoy it, and it was nice having watched that uh, Alexa match for Mickey to win when she should have won. That that was a nice yeah. way to finish this. No, I'm glad. You, I mean, it's, it's an interesting point. I'm I'm torn on it. I do think like. A part of me is when I watch these epic women's title matches, I'm like, yeah, like, good. F- Mickey's been wrestling for 20 years and she's never got a chance to have, like, an actual main event epic, you know? Like, fuck, I have to watch these dudes work them every month, you know? And, like, yeah. it's... Like, there is a big, like, you know, there was recently an Athena Willow watch match Seth that I freaking, loved. you know? Yeah, the, the Athena Willow match I loved had ingredients I don't, I don't, you know, love kind of ordinarily. Like, they do a lot of tributes, boss. But they're, they're paying homage to the women of Ring of Honor's past. And, like, a big part of me is like, man, fuck why I usually think that's awesome they can actually do that in the main event of a pay-per-view. Like, that's – I'm so I, I'm torn on it. I definitely think there's a truth to, like, beyond women's wrestling. Like, I think it's more a case of, um, you know, junior heavyweights wrestling, like, heavyweights. Do, you know, women's wrestling being like this – it's like everything is kind of homogenized and uniform and there's so much overlap in terms of the ideas that go into these matches. And – you said it. I mean, there are spots in this match where it's like, this is just how we do the main event now. Uh-huh. But I do think there is an appeal to, in this individual case, beyond your point, just seeing Mickey get a chance to work one is kind of yeah. like, yeah, there's a novelty to that, you know? So it's interesting. I, I definitely think there's something to it. Oracle and I talk about a lot, variety and, and so on and so forth. But first, Oracle, what did you uh, what did you make of the match yourself, mate? Uh, I thought this was really good. Um yeah. I, I I just appreciated the kind of environment and, and uh, you know kind of spectacle of it and Mickey getting the cool entrance and the and the and the big post match celebration and it, you know it was it was an opportunity for her to kind of work a kind of like a big main event style match which is you know modern which is not my favorite type of thing but you know she did it well enough I I thought she did it just as well as anybody else does yeah. um, you know there was there was some neat stuff uh, you know neat moves which again I don't care about as much as others but you know some of them hit really well and and uh the the weakest part of the match was you know the um spot that bobby pointed out the weird like tap out spot that was Strange, yeah. um <clears throat> that that definitely hurt the match uh probably even a good deal but overall it was just i i, I just i just appreciated i thought it was a kind of a fitting end to the to the yeah grappler project here in terms of on on uh on mickey because also like in the match like tom phillips is talking about how many titles she's won and the the trish feud and you know talk you know victoria tara's out there in the front row so like it was it was a good kind of encapsulation of everything we talked about and and uh mickey you know hits all of her big spots and you know that we've seen throughout this you know about six matches so I, I I appreciated it over overall as like a whole where like when you include all the matches and, yeah. and overall, you know, as, as a match itself, I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, I wasn't blown away by it, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised and was, you know, kind of like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm glad I watched this. You know, otherwise if we hadn't done this, I probably would never have gone, you know, gone to watch that match. And, and it was good yeah. enough where I was happy. I saw it. I will say they should have just gone home on that small package yeah. Inside Cradle, the place was. I think they would have blew if they had gone on that. I, people mm-hmm. would get ready to jump up, you know, like 
That's what I was doing. I just wish they called Audible and just, just gone home there. Because the rest of it's like good, but it gets back to Alex's point where it, the rest of it is very much like we will now do the main event finish, like mm. kick out, you know, but it's fine. Uh, I, I still like the match a lot. I actually, Jordan, Jordan's offense here, I think he's like really fun. I'm with Yorkle. We're very much, we pop for like structure and, you know, themes and ideas. But there is, I mean, if they're going to do a main event moves match, at least, the shit looks good at least, right? Like some of Jordan's stuff looks sure. really impressive. Um, <laughs> there's a sweet like pole driver counter that Mickey busts out. There's a lot to like here in terms of physically. It's not my favorite match by any means, but I will say this is like a genuinely like a pretty moving moment at the end. Like the fa- her family gets in the ring, Tara's in there, and it's like it sincerely feels like a celebration of her career. Uh-huh. And you know, watching this in fear of getting dramatic here, folks. As I watched this match I'd never seen from this is seven months ago. And it affected me on an emotional level when I was kind of like, this is touching. I appreciate this. It's a great reminder of get off your ass as a booker and a promoter and tell a fucking story. Build it and they will come. Impact has a lot of limitations. I'm not here to put them over as a you know, a model promotion. They're not one. But we hear so many excuses nowadays about why matches aren't over and why talent can't do this and can't do that. This is an example of they told a story, they hit every beat necessary, and by the end of it, they had built it, and guess what? The, pe- the people that were there cared. And when Mickey's going for pins late, people are actually screaming and yelling at this moment because they told the story, you know? It's like... This shouldn't be a novel concept, but fellas, I'm watching the women's divisions on both for the big two. I mean, I don't want to do the, the lame meme of like impacts divisions bear, but seriously, like, do you guys get what I'm saying here? It's like, but what, if, like, hear me out, hear me out. What if she got cheated out of the victory and it, she had to face uh struggle and setback and then eventually she finished the story? Honestly, at least that would suggest there was a story to begin with. I'm not seeing any of it right now in, on either promotion. I don't, and it's like I was watching this thinking, this is Mickey at like what 42, and Mickey can still go, so I don't mean that as a slight, but like you know, it's not like they're armed with like this all star crew down there, but like they told a story with a it's, compelling performer. People like it's not that hard, man. Good it's win. not, it's not being a good pro wrestler is hard. That's what I was saying about yes. being, being a Mickey James is hard, being a booker. I'm sorry. It's not as hard as some of these fuckers make it out to be. There is, uh, I guess at this point, infamously, exactly what you're talking about, Joe. A few years back, there, Nick Aldis defended the NWA title against a, a wrestler who carried an umbrella. And um, TJ Hawk wrote this review of it. And it was this match that, like, the it was the, remember when they brought back the Crockett Cup? And, yeah, yeah I think the Briscoes won. Or the Briscoes, Briscoes. made it to the final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the case, it was the main event, and they just presented it like it was this big fucking deal and then they wrestled this really emotionally engaging match all this gets like this fucking five alarm blade job and by the end the crowd's just like super into it and it turned into this really good match and like um i remember hawk wrote this review about it he's like look these are two incredibly limited performers but they delivered like this really engaging match that the crowd got into and it's like i think the closing line of his review was uh like attention wrestling bookers the, the reason fans don't care about your wrestlers is because you don't it's like if you yeah. don't present like you don't care about it then why the fuck is the crowd going to care about it and that's I mean, this here it's like the fact that i didn't know that whole and again this is me completely back blind about tna but like 
just the fact that it was billed as title versus career and was the main event immediately makes the crowd know that, they, oh, this means something. I didn't know mm. the thing of like Mickey James had previously main evented that show. This is just me watching this completely like cold. I get it. And then it does feel like a big deal in the end. And it's just, and, and that whole, that's pretty universal WWE. I don't, I don't know if AEW does that, but that whole idea that like the good guy can't win when it's right to win. It's just so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. I mean, the, the, even honestly, that's a great example. But bad about it. They got the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the the best Aldis example is the Cody match. Yeah. No one gave mm-hmm. a shit about the NWA title until Cody said, "I want to win it." And they had all these guys at ringside for the match, and DDP was there. Remember the entrance to that match? They both had their teams. Their fight camps. Yeah. Build it, and they will. Greg Jackson. I, honestly, and again, we'll we'll wrap up here on a positive note for Mickey James because this isn't about her, but it's like. There's so many excuses now, and every talent, there's 10 reasons why they can't be pushed, you know? It's like, they're not a great promo, or they're not this, and it's like, why don't you just do your part and actually try and fucking cover one of some of their weaknesses, you know? I've had enough of it. The hardest part about booking, I would say, is is that you have to... The one thing about booking is, is you can't do it for too long. Yeah, everyone has a short cycle. Everybody's got to take a break. Everybody's got to... Yeah. That's why Roddy Piper and Shawn Michaels and guys like that had it figured out, dude. Just like stick around, win, leave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, 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 I got a good segue for you. So Go we'll ahead. finish here on the another great example of that is uh, the whole giving people a reason to care. Homicide was always kind of like, yeah, people liked Homicide. But then they made him the biggest baby face in the world with that push to the Ring of Honor title. Yep. Over the course of a year, because it and then, but when he won, when he should have won, it was amazing, and everyone was so happy. And it's just, it's not as difficult as some people think it may be. Um, you have to have the right talent to do it. Don't get me wrong; you can't just take John Q off the street. But that was Final Battle 2006. You go back four years earlier. A young Alexis Lurie wrestled at Final Battle 2002. We come to 2023, and what a what a road she's followed to get there. Absolutely. A couple matches um, from this final act. I'd like to shout the Mia Yim one I'd forgotten. I think they had a pretty nice match. She had a good one with Mercedes Martinez, which is no surprise. Um, and her and Masha Slamovich was pretty good, I think, too. I, I don't think it was you know the best version of what that matchup could be, but she had a couple of good ones in Impact. So so there's those. Alex, you had some quirky ones. You, what was some of those mixed tags you stumbled upon when we were... <laughs> yeah, I've still got them um, dog-eared. I'm gonna, they're in my YouTube. I'm going to watch. One of them was... Uh, Bob actually brought it up. It was uh, Mickey James and Nick Aldis against Chelsea and Cardona from uh, WrestleCon last year. The big mm-hmm. four. <laughs> and then that other one that I sent you, Joe, that I'm going to have to watch, it was... Um, Serena Deeb and James Storm against Nick Aldis and Mickey James. Incredible. My God. So I, I assume that's from the. Is that from the angle where James still murders her? Uh, or is that a different time? I think it. Yeah, was that when Anthem was in charge? Because they were back to the six sided ring with the blue ropes. So I'm trying to remember. I, I guess um, it would have had to have been. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, that, that I, think like, I think it was 2015 when she was murdered by James Storms, and that's that 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 yeah. that fits with the GFW stuff. Oh no. God. Okay. Well, we'll leave that there. Or maybe, um, no, maybe not. Maybe it was Anthem. I don't know. I think it's a little uh, bit before because 2015 is when they're on like Destination America. They go back to Six Sides still under Dixie in 2014. Because remember they did the shows in New York where they put Dixie through the table and popped a rating. Factual. Um. Anyway, all right. 
Let's just put a bow on Green Grappler Mickey James before we pick our next uh, our next grappler, fellas. Final thoughts, legacy of Mickey James, Bob. Kick us off. Yeah, um, you know, kind of having only seen her WWE run, I'm glad we got into more of that TNA stuff. Um, basically, and we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the show, just came out with more of an appreciation than I went in having, you know, because I always thought she was good, but like this, and, you know, we, we pick kind of, just we don't pick bad matches which kind of helps with all this but like she's so much better than i realized um and you know that's nice i'm glad we got to do this i'm glad we got to uh hopefully convince people to check these out i believe they're all available most of them are on youtube um the last one is on daily motion i think the last two are on daily motion or you can get impact plus or that's peacock. illegal yeah. yeah you know if you wanted to look otherwise you get impact plus or peacock yeah Thanks, Bob. What about outfit you were running here? Good lord. <laughs> Hearing this shit, Alex. What do you think? Legacy of Mickey James, mate. Go for it. Uh yeah, man. This is, you know, the first year of Grin Grappler. We gotta get the heavy hitters out of the way. Gotta get Brett in there. Gotta get Terry Funk. Gotta get uh I don't know who else. Stan Hansen, you know. So now we're kind of getting to a position where we can afford to do some more interesting uh selections like this. And I think it's um been one of the more interesting ones we've done because you know, I'm not going to say like my love of the game has been rejuvenated or whatnot, but it's like, God damn, man, Mickey James was a hell of a wrestler. Like th- yeah. that's kind of like a takeaway from this. And like, I, you know, I vented a lot of my frustrations of things that could be learned from her just, and you know, we're, if we don't have it already within the next five years, we're going to have those people on NXT I watched Mickey James as a kid growing up, and it's like good. Bro, I hope you Alex, did. Alexa said it in a pre-match promo. That oh match. yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but good, she'd be a good one to study. Hell of a worker, yeah. hell of a hell of a hand, and like, um, kind of reiterated some of my thoughts originally of like, why doesn't Tony make a play for her? Why anyone would be lucky to have her there, to, if nothing else at this point, just kind of help their women's roster and. I mean, she's a good wrestler, too. She could help anybody. But anyway, um, the Tara match was kind of the revelation of this. And yeah. again, I'm, that, that ain't Joe Necro or something, but that is a really fun little piece of business there. And so, uh, like we said, seek it out on YouTube. And for me, and for like what I like in wrestling at this point in my life, that, that was fucking awesome. So, um, yeah, long live Mickey James. Also, all-time hottie. I was 19 when she showed up on the game, so I got to give her props for that. Oracle said he was 13, so you know he he probably even has a stronger sentimental attachment to that aspect. But um, <laughs> and obviously, uh, by all accounts, is a good person, and also for the shit she's put up with from a booking perspective, seems to be someone who kind of lets it roll off her back. So yeah. uh, she's not a fucking mark. So you know, props to her <laughs> in regards to that. Uh, good episode, fun discussion, and um, kind of a, a learning process of just how good Mickey James is. Absolutely, Oracle. Final thoughts, man. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, like I said at the start, I've always been a fan of hers, but I, I came away thinking that she was absolutely a very good wrestler. Uh, still is, um, spanning over twenty years, basically, um, which is really impressive for anybody. Um, there's, there's been lots of wrestlers and. There's probably only what I uh, I I I don't even know how many wrestlers have been good for like consistently twenty years. 
And good at like probably, the same probably, things too. I mean, yeah. almost certainly less than a hundred, right? Like, yeah. That's. I mean, it's. It's. I mean, I'm, I mean, she wouldn't be in my top one hundred, but my point is, is like. Shane right. McMahon. Yeah. Her consistency. Her consistency yeah. is staggering. Consistency yeah. is 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 you know very, very valuable stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I I came away very pleased and and even in a way surprised at how good she is. Um, and I, I, I really like the points that Alex brought up about her, just like having the natural sort of wrestler charisma, which I guess is that's the only other word I can put it into of just like the expressions, the way she moves in the ring, the way she carries herself, you know, as a performer in the ring. Um, yeah, she's just, she's just a really good, really, really good pro wrestler. Yeah. Just, just Absolutely. Uh, overall. He's, I genu- I think she's a genuine wrestling legend, and I think she's too often forgotten when conversations come up about. Like I honestly think she's one of the best like American woman wrestlers ever, mm-hmm. and I think she's very often forgotten in that conversation. And I think she's forgotten for people who are not nearly as good as her. To be frank, we don't even name names, but like you know, right? Um, right. Once because again, WWE. How yeah. many people have been good for twenty years? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. That's, Especially women wrestling. Part like, of it. It's, it's like. Yeah. Uh, she almost suffers from her longevity because she stuck around long enough to become a role player for WWE, mm-hmm. and they like that's kind of they people punish her for that in history because they didn't she didn't go out on top and it's like she's a wrestler that's that was her life you know but anyway like genuine legend to me um, I think it'd be fascinating to play her career in different time like if she came in now work she could do i think is kind of staggering to think about even with some of the issues alex brought up like and again let me be clear the divisions on both big big two companies suck right now but there is obviously more opportunity right like i think she'd blow people away if she just emerged today um sincerely i i really do hope she doesn't fall through the cracks of history because some wrestlers just do not their fault it's just they're not you know promotions don't look at them that way and i hope that doesn't happen because she's been terrific for a really long time and if all else fails at least she now has the legacy of being the wrestler who allowed for an Alexa Bliss match to make Grin Grappler. So that's a legacy <laughs> worth leaving behind, you know? Indeed. The handwork match for no handwork. Um, so I, I'm really glad we did the second one's wrestler in the uh, the archives. And I think we all came away with a, with a greater appreciation of Mickey James. So it was very, very worthwhile. We hope everyone watching home enjoyed it. Now, oh, let's look ahead go. to September's Grin Grappler. Now, yeah, well, I've begun. You know, I've begun to kind of, <laughs> I've begun to kind of, uh, you know, like it's because we do it differently and we don't have to people vote. I like to bring out everyone's favorite wrestler when it's their birthday. Just to, so I'll do this here for Alex. Now he's not going to win, folks, but it is Buddy Matthews' birthday month coming oh. up. So you know, some Blake and Murphy. You know, I'm looking um, <laughs> for Bob, the Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman. <laughs> I don't know what the X would be, but that third act, I don't know. I saw some stuff with that couldn't have had, you know. Um Okay, there are two interesting singles candidates and there are two tag team deals. Singles, we have the uh, recently relevant with the dark side of the ring, Bam Bam Bigelow, which I think would be interesting. Yes. Um we have one who was almost locked in to be our episode last year before we did Asker instead, the enforcer on Anderson, I think is in the favorite, you know, he's in the lead here, but a couple tag team ones. Now only half of the tag team is their birthday month. Obviously to do tag team episodes, we just simply were going to have to do that. Like we got, <laughs> there are only a handful of teams from which it will, it will cross over. Um, it is animals. 
not quite. Is is Animals Birthday Month next month? We could do the Road Warriors. It's also Ricky Morton's month, so we could do the Rock and Roll Express. So I think the real candidates are Bam Bam, Double A, Road Warriors, Rock and Roll Express. I think they're the real candidates. I personally would like to watch some Enforcer, but I'm open to discussion. As always, Bob, I always let you go first because you obviously lashed out. So go on, mate. Um, I would like to do Bam Bam. I think uh, there's a handful of pretty good matches that would make it easy to decide the axe as well as careers broken up nicely. But, you know, I've been watching through uh, 1993 WCW. Arn Anderson's getting more action, enjoying him quite a bit. You know, I've enjoyed the other stuff I've seen of him. would like to do maybe a deeper dive there. So, yeah, one of those two. Um, and I know that doesn't narrow it down that much since those are, you know, two of the four people you pitched. But uh, that's where we're at. That's fun. That works for me. Um, Oracle, what do you reckon? So, Bam Bam has some really good highlight matches that I can think of off the top of my head with Lawler and Memphis. Um, yeah. uh, Steve, I think it's Dr. Death or maybe it's Terry Gordy at like Beach at like the at the at the UWF show in the early 90s. Um, hmm. Taz, yeah, Taz match, but also the RVD match. The uh, Ooh, no the RVD wins the belt, awesome. Man. That's gonna be the third um, act, right? And then, there's, then, then there's the uh, the triple threat hardcore match at like uncensored '99 or Spring Stampede '99 or whatever it was. That's that's really fucking. Or maybe it's just is it just him and Sandman? That's hack. like yeah, hack, him and yeah. him and hardcore hack yeah at, at uh, Spring Stampede '99. That's awesome. Um, so there's there's some good matches there. Uh, of course, Double A. I'm never gonna say no to Arn like in terms of you know, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let. Uh, those honestly would be my top two, although the rock and rolls is honestly pretty compelling. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Alex, where do you lean on this? I'm intrigued. You super loaded it, man. Dude, but like Arn would be great. Man, Bam Bam though, like you know, we could do the the first Survivor series main event, so we start in like the peak of Hulkamania and then end up in fucking ECW. Like there's uh, yeah, it'd be either him or Arn. Um, what would be the axe for Arn? I think the way we'd do it with Arn is we'd do like a singles and a tag for each era. So you'd yeah. probably do the original Horseman run, like Dangerous Alliance, that range of time, you know, early night. And then I guess you'd do like the Nitro block. I don't know. I'd have to rethink about it. Do the fall um, brawl match with Rick. Uh, yeah, that would have to be in there. All right. I'll say this. I'm a much less aware of Bam Bam's catalog. So I think it could be more. I mean, we bring up on on most episodes anyway. Maybe Bam Bam's more interesting, you know? Yeah, man. Like to go from the throes of Hogan Andre and then end up in Buffalo getting hit in the face with a chair by Sabu. I mean, that's. Yeah. He's also interesting because he's like. I think objectively a guy who didn't reach his full potential by any means. Yeah, like, absolutely not. You yeah. know, like, yeah. like I, I don't think it's one of those, and I, I mean this with love, but I don't think it's an episode where we would just show up and like, you know, kind of wax bogey. But like, I think there would be matches where we kind of go this, that, and the, you know, we kind of pick things apart, which there's also some good Jersey triad tags, but I'd rather do like that hack match if we did him. Yeah. Jersey triad. Only thing is, I don't know if we're going to, because we do need to do the Survivor Series match. That's like a, that's like he's showing. 
Yeah, that's it true. Would probably the be match that. Too, that that match that Lawler match is great, man. We need the Lawler match. Yeah. Act one would probably be Lawler in the in the Survivor Series, right? Mm-hmm. Act, and then two. Act two would probably be one of the Brett matches. Yep. Yeah. And, and what then, was the, um, the other one you just mentioned? The what did the one you said from the yeah, other the, uh, It's either Williams or Gordy. And then we'd have to use an ECW match and then a WCW match. Well, we'll have to decide either the Taz match or the RVD match. The RVD match is not talked about enough, but obviously the Taz match is a classic. But It's Taz. And, um, yeah, that there's a lot there. And someone said Corbs wore Bam Bam tribute gear on NXT tonight. I think that, I think that sells it. I think we're going to do Bam Bam, fellas. <laughs> Bam, bam, bam. Put on watching at home. He's missed out again. <laughs> he's, he's got the gun to the TV right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there it is. Green Grappler. Bam, bam, Bigelow. That's what's ahead. Um, probably be like five weeks from now, but we'll, we'll, we'll do the tweet at some point of the date and the matches. So that's what's up next. Okay. Plugs, promotions, final words. Bobby Two Shoes. Anything to put over before we get out of here? Uh, join us Thursday evening for the Late Night Grin number 90, 89, whatever number it is. Uh, talk about 91. All In, the biggest wrestling event, event of all time, if you've not heard about it. Um, we'll be breaking that down and, uh, yeah, just having a good time. Just join us uh, at this very channel. Excuse me. Factual. Absolutely. The Oracle of Wrestling. Anything to plug? Uh, I'm just trying to look for this Bam Bam UWF match and see which one it is. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, no, I'll, I'll be joining everybody on Thursday night. You know, probably an hour or two late. You know, as as I uh, always do. Um, but uh, I, I will be there to uh, to discuss the show. Um, we we talked about it a little bit before we were on the air, but uh, you know, um, these these fellows are trying to uh, kidnap me to. Uh, gonna go to chicago unfortunately i won't be able to uh if, if, if i had the means or the or the uh, or the will to travel uh, that far I, I i honestly would enjoy it but uh i'm i'm a coward um and uh don't wish to do that we'll get a um, picture and tag you in it <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go but uh other than that no yeah I'll, like i said i'll be here i'll be here uh on Thursday night, I'll have to watch all, I have a couple of busy, like really busy weekends. So I'll have to watch all these like three pay-per-views, two, two big AEW shows and the payback fed show, like all like after the fact. So it's always just the best way to be honest. Yeah, it, it, it really honestly is. You can unplug and just watch the show, you know, like, it's, right. Yeah. It's, it's sounds not like aggressive live, you know, like it's, it's, it's just when you watch live, like, you're talking to everyone about this. You know what I'm saying? It can be a little exhausting sometimes. Yeah. Every yeah, match is like a play-by-play on social media if it's bad or good. It's like, fuck. <laughs> so I just want to watch the match. Um, are we allowed to sell your 8x10s to Chicago Oracle? Or is it not allowed? <laughs> uh, sure, why not? You know, you just okay. got to give me the, uh, you know, the benefits, you know, the money. Hmm. Alex, um, what's, <laughs> what's happening we'll with the, What's the latest with the contrarians, mate? Uh, we just talked about Jaws the Revenge not too long ago. Our most recent episode is uh, The Commitments. It's an Irish film from the early 90s. And then uh, Paper Moon's coming up. And um, I forget what else. Our patron, uh, 
like I said last time, I think we had just dropped our last part of our Lohan Lindsay Lohan miniseries, and we have to do a, a postscript and addendum onto it because one of the ongoing things throughout it was I could not track down her infamous interview with David Letterman from 2013. And then like the day we posted it, I finally came across it. So we're going to do like a, an addendum and discussion of that. So, you know, just more of the same. We've come to expect, um, we are the contrarians.com at contrarian prime on Twitter, patreon.com slash at contrarian prime $1 gets you in, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, thank you for letting me as always plug my wares on here. All good, man. All good. I, I love to hear it. And, uh, that sounds like you went full laps fan with that Letterman interview. That's full, like, you know? Yeah. And adding the yeah. extra to That's pretty that's yeah. impressive. I love to hear it. Yeah, our uh, usual episodes are very, like, you know, hour and a half, two hours. But, like, that Lohan thing, that, that was, like, a lapse treatment. I think we ended up getting, like, 12 or 15 hours total on that. So, God bless. Tremendous. Um, okay, folks. Bobby said it earlier. The Grin. Bobby and Oracle both said The Grin this Thursday will preview all in, um, which I'll be attending, apparently. I'm in gorilla position for that one. Oh, you're um, going to be in and out. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll see one good show between them. Um, <laughs> all right. We'll see you then, folks. Keep grinning. Oh, how. Enjoy this outro. <laughs>